We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, here we go. Uh, let's see here. Uh, D. Makak 2. How much of the flipped and projected to flip recruits leaving do you attribute to NIL pay for play, pay to play versus coaching staff needing to do more to get recruits all the way to signing day? That's you it. know, I'd honestly, Ryan, yeah. sometimes even if NIL is not involved, you can do everything possible and a kid just changes his mind or circumstances change. And that happens. Mm-hmm. And like with Keon, Maybe there's things they could have done different. I don't know if there's anything they could have done different. I just think Keon, over time, his circumstances changed. I had someone uh, affiliated with him tell me that, well, he's a five-star now, so things are different. Like, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. And I was like, it's not even worth asking a follow-up because it's just like, okay. But the point is, his circumstances changed. It's okay. I don't know if there's anything Notre Dame could have done different. And I don't think – I really – like, look, I – I, there's a lot I can't get into with Keon's recruitment, but I don't think Keon left Notre Dame's class because he wanted an NIL payout only. And that's all that mattered to him. I don't, mm-hmm. I think it was a football decision. Number one, more than anything else. It was a football decision. And so I just like, from what I've been told, Ryan, Alabama's not the highest bidding school out there for NIL. They're yeah. not getting into the game the way that people think they are Agreed. for, for high school. Now they are for transfers. Mm-hmm. They're throwing mm-hmm. a lot of money around for transfers. Why established players? It's a better I was, investment. I was going to say it, it makes more sense to get yes. into a more no commodity, right? Yes, so, yeah. it makes yeah. a lot more sense for USC to throw their NIL dollars at transfers than high school kids. At Way Jordan more Addison compared right. to a, right, right, yeah. right, because mm-hmm. it's an established player. It's a, it's like with anything. If I, if I got, if I look, if I got a guy that has never covered recruiting before that I'm going to hire to be the number two to Ryan. And then I got. I'm going to offer him a a, base, a, a salary based off of his experience level and, and potential. Whereas mm-hmm. if I had another guy that I wanted to go hire to be Ryan's number two, who'd been doing recruiting for a long time, I'm going to have to have to, have to offer him a lot more money because he's more established. There's going to be more competition for him, and it's going to be a better investment because of it. Right. And so that's just <clears throat> that's true of anything, mm-hmm. right? If you're gonna if you're a law firm and you're going to hire a lawyer 
you're not going to pay a guy fresh out of law school the same as a guy that's been a highly successful 20-year trial attorney. You know, Mm -hmm. you're just not because if I'm going to have to pay X amount of dollars, I'm going to hire the guy that I have a far better confidence is going to get me a return on that investment. And Michael Mayer is going to get you a much higher return on his investment than the best high school and high school, the best tight end in high school football, which is why Alabama offered Michael Mayer a crap load of money. And they're not throwing that same amount of dollars at high school kids. I mean, Alabama also went after the South Dakota State tight ends as well. What we're saying is not fictitious or an example. No, it's not. It's reality that Mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Uh, that's actually smart cheating. That's cheat. That's smart cheating, right? It's much more. It's much smarter to do that, and it's still cheating than it is what A and M's doing. Much smarter. Agreed. Much smarter. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's a question here. Uh, how much do you think the young linebackers play in the bowl game? Junior, junior to Alamaka, Jalen Eden, Prince Kali. Well, Junior is playing Viper for this mm-hmm. game. So I imagine he'll play a little bit. Prince Kali just recently got cleared to practice within the last week or so. Mm-hmm. He'll play. Jalen needs a wild card for me, Ryan. I don't really know how much he's going to play in this bowl game. I, I, I Yeah. I, I hope it's a lot. I mean – Look, Prince, at this point, as long as Prince is healthy, he'd be playing at least 50% of the snaps at will, like at least, right? Like, I mean, he would be that type of dude. And Jalen Sneed, we've seen more and more of Jalen Sneed as the season has gone on down the stretch. So I hope that he's a guy that gets a substantial amount of reps at Rover and we get to Mm -hmm. see him more in live action. So, I mean, for Prince Kali, I I hope for 50% snap share somewhere around there. I hope for an increased opportunity for Jalen Sneed and I don't really know what to expect from Junior Toyelabaka because there's mm-hmm. you know obviously you have Jordan Patelho still you have a couple of the younger Vipers and Joshua Burnham and didn't go Byra like what does their burn look like in this game but for Prince more than you know, like Prince and Sneed for me are guys that I need to see play like I need to mm-hmm. see them play in this football game I love to see Nolan Ziegler play too yeah for a little bit I would love to see him yeah absolutely Got some more down here. We've got a super chat down here from Patrick Tolan. So we have any before? Okay, we had a couple before that. So I wanted to get this one from Tyler Evans. Tyler, thank you very much. Tyler asks, Ryan, out of the four wideouts who attack the ball the best and high points the ball the best? 
I would say that it's a really close debate between Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James to for different degrees, right? Like I think that Jaden Greathouse is the most physical of the wide receivers by a decent margin, and he tracks the football well. But I also think that Braylon is a super springy athlete, man. Like yeah. he can get to some high points that most guys just can't get to, and he attacks the football in the air. I mean, I, I think that either answer is – good like I, I wouldn't yeah. push back against Braylon or Jaden I would probably go with Jaden just because I think Jaden is so just physically mature man I mean he's 210 plus pounds right now you know I'm gonna say this Ryan I think there's mm-hmm. a difference between who attacks the ball the best and who high points the ball the best because attacking the ball doesn't always mean high pointing I'm gonna say yeah. the guy that I think attacks the ball the best is mm-hmm. actually Rico Flores Interesting. I think your conversation, I would be on there with you if we're just talking about height, because Rico's not a guy that's going to go out like play a bunch of dudes like for jump balls, which is the high pointing thing. He's not as yeah. springy uh, or as long. Or in Jaden, Jaden Greathouse's case, it's more about his understanding it's of angles with his size and strength, plus the other things. Braylon's sure. just that dude's a freaky athlete. <laughs> I would go with Rico as I think Rico does a great job of attacking the football. Like he's really good at it. And that's partly why I'm really excited to see him is because my issue with Rico was he just wasn't a really explosive guy. He got a lot mm-hmm. more explosive as a senior before his injury. And it was like a minor injury. It's not something that's going to be long-term. So I'm I'm a lot higher in this receiving core after watching senior film, than I, even than I was when they when they committed because mm-hmm. of the breakout that Rico had. And, and Braylon got a lot better too. I mean, yes, his, he did. his production and all those things really took a step this year. I was very pleased to see that. Uh, so that's where I would go, Ryan, for that. But again, we're having this conversation. You mm-hmm. may disagree, but it's not like, dude, what? Seriously, that dude, that guy's ter- there's a guy, there's a guy's not even the same universe as this other kid. <clears throat> but that's how good and deep these gr- this this group is, yep. right? Where Ryan's like, Ryan's like was interesting, like, hmm, but is he going there? But it wasn't like, what? Are you nuts? Are you stupid or something? You know? Well, one because that'd be a very bad idea. And disrespectful, but number two, because it's not an outrageous thing to yeah. say, right? It is, a, it's like, okay, yeah, it's not where I'd have gone, but yeah, okay, that's what you're saying. Like, if I were to say, I think Bubakar's got the highest ceiling of the defensive lineman, and somebody else jumped in and said, I think it's Armel Mukum. Somebody else jumped, no, I actually think it's okay, cool, all fair, all fair. Sure. I, I think it's what I think, but I'm not gonna tell you you're nuts. That's where you want to be, right? You don't want there to, you don't want there to be like a, a huge gap between those guys unless the guy at the top is like just freaky good. Like yep. some of the guys they've had. Patrick Tolan says, uh, coach volleyball for five years, have friends at major universities that have told me they are almost done recruiting high school kids. If you think the portal is nuts for football, you should see what it's like in basketball and other sports. It's insane. This is absolutely yeah. right, Patrick, because here's the thing. Number one is it's even, I think it's even more of a crapshoot recruiting kids at some of these other sports number one and number two like it's just such a different universe it's like why because here's the thing about the portal and it, it doesn't take as much work to recruit transfers as it does high school kids mm-hmm. it doesn't you're not going on all the visits you're not doing all that i mean it's just it's a different deal it's getting the portal let's hammer this out let's make this offer and let's get it done Right. It's such a better, and that's another reason why it's a better return on your investment. You're not recruiting portal kids for very long. You're not recruiting them nearly as long as you're recruiting high school kids. You have to recruit, start recruiting kids as a freshman in high school, recruiting for four years. Mm-hmm. 
it's like you get a kid to commit to you as a sophomore. Like, okay, well, I can spend the next three years trying to convince this kid to stick with us, right? right? Where portal stuff happens quick. I mean, like during a season, the way it's cheating now. But like, like somebody had mentioned here, KL said this. Uh, the uh, UTSA coach said, and what's his name? It's Jeff. Um, uh, what's his last name? Starts with a T. Trailer. 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 Yeah, said yeah. Uh, was talking about this. He just flat out said it. He said Power Five teams have been trying to poach his younger players. Washington State's head coach came out about it. Mac Brown's talking about it. And I'll have another question about this here in a little bit. But to Patrick's yeah. point, it's like, but that didn't really start till like sort of the off season for the big time players. But then during the season. That's a, and it's, it's all behind the scenes from your office, from phones. It's not getting on the road, being on the road for a month, doing all those other things like you have to do for high school. It's just a different animal. So if I could, if I could do get a more veteran player with experience in the classroom, experience of the game, and a shorter and less expensive recruiting time, because, hey, I got a smaller budget coach in volleyball. So let me do all my recruiting from the office, maybe one visit with a kid. That's way better idea then going to some high school kid who's more projectable. There's a greater adjustment to the academic life. I got to recruit this person for over a year, if not more in other sports. Why wouldn't you recruit transfers more than high school kids? You'd be kind of foolish not to, to be completely honest with you. So those are the different things I look at. So to Patrick's comment and then the KL's comment, that's why a lot of that stuff makes a lot, you know, makes a lot of sense as to why that's the case. So it's um, it's a and so think of all the high school kids that are getting jacked by all this. And so what does that do? That turns the lower level Division One teams into they're either getting the reclamation projects from the D one schools, or in a lot of cases they're getting some high school kids that they wouldn't have got before. It may seem great, but you're getting these kids who are a little better players than you usually get. But now all of a sudden, if that kid comes and he is as good as you think or he does break out early, he's just going to leave you for a big-time big, big time school. So now all of a sudden, the you know Conference USA, the Sun Belt, the MAC, they become nothing more than a minor league system for the big-time programs. My, and, and why do I say minor league system? Because most minor leaguers don't make it to the NFL or the NBA or, good Lord, Major League Baseball. They don't. Most don't. And most will kind of get picked up by somebody else or whatever the case that you know may be. But essentially, that's what they've—that's what they're turning into. Most won't make it to that level, but the good ones, they go get. I mean, like if you're if you're a AAA manager, you know I'm coaching this kid while I can. But as soon as he starts showing some promise, the the big league team's going to pull him up. It's the same thing if you're coaching at Vanderbilt or if you're coaching at Boise, you're coaching at Fresno. Well, I developed this kid and he had a breakout year, had 1,500 yards rushing, and okay, which Pac-12 school is going to sign him? Which SEC is going to take him now? You're, you're a borderline minor league system. If you want to use a college example, you're a JUCO, essentially. You now serve the role that JUCOs used to serve. You get kids for a year or two, coach them up, get them ready to move on to the bigger schools. That's essentially what these schools are going to turn into. How's that good for this game? How in the world is that good for this game? It's not. How's that good for the kids? All the kids that sweat with these kids and bled with these kids and did all these things with these kids and then see that kid just leave them and now they're back to being sucky again? Or the kids at current programs that work hard and do everything right, only to see every year you're bringing in some new portal kid. I don't think that's good for the game. I really don't. And I know not everyone agrees with me, but that's my opinion, and I'm not changing it. Irish Blooded says, if everyone signs and everyone that everyone signs and everyone that is expected to stays for next year, what would your D line starting line be for next season? 
So that's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> can I tell you uh, what I what I would like it to be? Sure. Yeah, let's do that. That's a better idea. Here's what I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. I would like it to be Riley Mills at big end. Howard crossed at three technique. You can keep him a nose if you want. Howard Cross inside. Mm-hmm. Braden Fisk inside. Yes. And Justin Adamiola is my viper. If Justin decides to move on, then my hope and who I think it, who I hope it would be, I hope that Josh Burnham has a monster breakout offseason and he's that guy. Yeah. And like I, somebody said here, I was like, all Jordan Patejo does is make money plays. I'm like, no, that's the only ones that you notice. Go back and watch the Marshall game and tell me if that's all he's doing is making big plays. Right yeah. now, if Jordan Batello can put it all together and the light goes on and, and he's that guy too. Cool. Good with that. Mm-hmm. Cause he's got a lot of tools, but one of those guys is part of a rotation, but Riley Mills, Braden Fisk and Howard Cross is my three inside guys. I, I cause again, Braden Fisk is the Western Michigan transfer. You know, Notre Dame's recruiting him. Oklahoma's on him. Florida state's on him. Obviously yeah. uh, we're saying who we hope is there, who we hope it is. My hope is that he's one of the guys next year because he's really good. Yes. He's really good. I, I mean, I'll say this. I, it's a tough question for me because I honestly want to see a nice rotation at Viper to start out with, right? So, like, you're asking me who's the defense. I think it's I, – I want a combination of Joshua Burnham, Aiden Gabira, and Jordan Batello. Like, I don't want to depend on one guy to be the dude unless someone shows that they are that dude, right? Like, there's a difference there. But I think that you see a rotation there. I would prefer Howard Cross at three technique, if I'm being honest, because I think that he's mm-hmm. twitchy. He's some of the stuff that the size is going to be limitations at nose will not be as much at three tech. You can kind of be more of a one gap style defense. And I think if you do get Braden Fizz from Western Michigan, he has a body type and a profile where he could play nose. But I think one thing that's interesting is if you have those two inside, they're a little more interchangeable, right? If one gets stuck at nose, you're okay. One gets stuck at three tech. You're good. Like, it's fine. So I think that we're similar there too, Brian. And I would say, I mean, Riley Mills is the obvious one, right? Like, Riley right. Mills is your incumbent at, at big ends. You need him to make a big step forward because his talent is still untapped. He's a very talented football player. And I think that just for me, man, it's – I need more of a rotation next year, right? Like, the Viper can't be Isaiah Foskey and then an occasional Justin Adamola, right, who's going to be more of a move-around player. I want to see Joshua Burnham. I want to see Josh Jordan Patello. I want to see Aiden Gabira. I want to see the young guys get opportunities to play because I just don't think that you're just going to have one dude at Viper next year. Even if mm-hmm. Justin Abolo comes back, I still don't think you're just going to have one dude. I mean, it helps you, yeah. obviously, but I think more guys yep. need to play at the Viper position next year. If I agree with you completely. If they don't get Fisk, I would say uh, I'm probably leaning towards like Gabriel Rubio being the nose. At the nose. Is yeah. where I would go. The other thing could be is you could move Riley Mills inside and start Nana uh, would be another option. And if I wanted to go with a more athletic line, I would put Justin Adamiola at big end because mm-hmm. I think his game better fits big end than Viper. I think his body is more of a Viper. His game is more of a big end. That's my opinion. And I know that's a, a not an opinion everybody agrees with, but that's kind of my thoughts. I've always felt that way. Mm-hmm. But that's when you're going smaller and more athletic. Let him power rush. Put Batelho Burnham, go Byra at the other one, and then have Riley at three technique and Howard at nose would, would be the the my fast, my athletic penetrating lineup, you know, if yeah. I'm playing a team that I need to do that. So you, you know, you know what's gonna be fun over the next year or so 
is the fact that your big end position is going to have guys like Riley Mills, but also Brennan Vernon and right. Bubakar Traore and Armel Mukum developing. Your big end position is going to be very interesting over the next couple years. Mm-hmm. A lot of talent yeah. in that spot. Got a, a, a comment down here from, from, from this, Ryan, and this is just a comment that just to me, again, continues to incredibly miss the point. Lowell Schmel says, pay the kids. First of all, you just said pay the kids, number one. Right. Right. Number two, you're missing the boat. Nobody on this show is saying the kids don't deserve uh, a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that. Never said that. We're also not people that think they should give them $10,000 and they should be happy. I'm not saying that either. For some kids, like we came up with the ref share thing. Every kid gets a minimum amount, minimum amount. That's cool. But that's not all you're getting. I am right. totally fine. If Tyler Buckner blows up in the bowl game and becomes Notre Dame starting quarterback next year, or if they get a portal transfer that's a big name guy, whatever, and people want to have him go do a local TV commercial for 10 grand or be on an ESPN commercial for 500 grand or be the spokesperson for this product for 100 grand or 200 grand or whatever, and that kid all of a sudden makes a million dollars, great. He's <laughs> cashing in on his name, image, and likeness. I am all for that. Which is the definition of name, image, and Correct. Yeah. Yep. What I'm saying is we don't need to be putting this buying players thing into this equation because a lot of kids may get that upfront money, but they're going to situations that are not good for them. Mm-hmm. If they're going to make that mistake, because some kids make that mistake without money, at least let it be one that's built more on their thoughtful going of, of why am I making this decision? Because sometimes right. things don't pan out despite his kids are going to have way less regret than, with that moving forward. Plus, here's the other thing. If you go to, to a school that's offering you $2 million and and they screw you over after a year, you get hardly any of that mm-hmm. because it's not an upfront $2 million. It's a, it's a broken into however many years you're going to be there. And if you're really good and you leave after three years, guess what? You're not getting your last year of that payment. So – this notion, this notion that it's kind of like if someone in the NFL gets a $100 million contract, they're not getting $100 million up front. They're getting $100 million spread out over X number of years. That's what these deals are. The upfront money is not life-changing for most of these kids. Now, some schools are saying we'll offer you upfront money, but most of these kids that I've experienced so far are smart enough to know that, no, you're not. Then put the money in my hand, and then we'll have that conversation. But you just promised me upfront money, but then I got to wait till I signed and I'm on campus before you give me that upfront money. Most kids that I've talked to in, in, in those situations that I've, I've learned from, most kids are like, no, no, if it's going to be upfront money, look, this is all illegal. So why do I got to wait until you get to, till I get to campus? You're like, um, so th- there are at least some savviness when it comes to that. But I just let these kids make their decisions based off the right reasons then let them go earn their money. Let them get a baseline of, of being college football athletes should give them a baseline of a rev share, which I'm, I'm for. I'm a supporter of that. They'll get their money off of EA Sports and other things, the, the funds that will just give. Like if you're a collective, you should give every kid a certain amount of dollars, and then the better kids can earn a little bit more. I, first of all, get rid of collectives, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if, I, if I would say – if I were to have collectives – actually, I shouldn't get rid of – it's not what I mean. I'm all for collectives. I actually think they're a great idea. I think they should be got getting rid of the way that they are now. A collective should simply be 
here's how much we're raising money so that fans and boosters can support our current players. And it's spread out evenly between every kid that's on our roster or every scholarship kid, whichever way you want to go. Right. Right. That's what I would like to see done. That's how we should be supporting the collectives. And then if the kid wants to benefit off his name, image, and likeness, it's not the collectives not giving him more money just because he's good. It has to be earned on a, it's like this whole thing should be a trans, it should be transactional. You're really good. You're talented. You're doing this. You're doing that. And so we want to have you as the face of our product. Mm -hmm. And we're willing to pay you X amount of dollars to do it. Well, I appreciate that. And I love your product, but I have been offered a much bigger contract to be the face of this company's product. Okay, cool. Boy, we really want you though. How about we match that plus throw in this little sweetener? Okay, let me think about that. Hey, I just got an offer from this other company. <laughs> That's fine. Because yeah. now it's about we think that kid provides value to us as a spokesperson because of what he has earned, what he has done. I want that kid's face on my product because I think it's going to make me – like B. John Robinson's uh, – uh, was it like a mustard? Mm -hmm. I, th I think yeah. that's freaking awesome. I think that's awesome. great. You <laughs> thought as a company that put that kid's face on your product is going to make you money, which in turn makes him money. Great. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But that's not what we're doing here. No. Because here's the reality. Bijan Robinson should bring you that value, whether he's at Texas or Notre Dame or Alabama or USC. And so I should be allowed to have him as my spokesman. Hey, did Peyton Manning lose his deals when he left the Colts and went to the Broncos? No, they went with him. Did LeBron James lose his Nike deal when he left? He's with Nike, right? When he went, right, I think. When, yes, Probably. that's right, he is. But yeah. when he left Cleveland to go to Miami, did all of a sudden he lose his deal? Or was it completely irrelevant of who he played for? Separated. That's yeah. how it should be. Right. Yeah. That's how it should be. You know? But I, I think we need we need a nuanced conversation here, too, to this original, original comment. We're not saying don't pay players. We are saying pay players, but right. use NIL correctly. It's a different conversation, mm -hmm. right? And I just... We like to do this thing where we throw everything in the same bucket and say, oh, you just you just don't want players being paid. No, it's not what I'm saying. I want right. players to be played. I am pro player. Always have been. Right. Always will be. I want them to be paid for what right. they're what are they are what I'm told what they're telling right. me that they're being paid for. Like that's and this is an absurd yeah. thing too. I get so sick of people saying this. The schools make millions and the kids get nothing. Things had to change. It sucks when you don't have free labor. A Things did need to change, but this not this, this, it's one of the most ignorant things that people say, <laughs> and that's going to come across as disrespectful. I get it, but it, it's just true. You're ignorant of reality. A, these kids get lots of stuff. Mm -hmm. Go talk to some kid whose parents work 18 hours a day in South Bend to barely put food on the table, but their kids wicked smart but not quite smart enough to get a full right academic scholarship to Notre Dame. If the, if a Notre Dame scholarship doesn't bring value, Hey, sorry, son, I know you're smart enough to be at Notre Dame, but the reality is we can't afford to send you there. Well, tell me that that kid now, Oh, well he, he can go to Notre Dame still. How he can get loans. Okay. Yeah. So then the kid can have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt on his back when he finally graduates from Notre Dame. Plus, he's got to spend all his free time getting a job, right? Like Notre Dame students, you know what they do in the offseason? They work out. 
Do you know what every other kid at Notre Dame does that maybe doesn't come from from privilege? They freaking spend their entire summers working. Yeah. Yep. I spent my entire summers as a college athlete working to pay for my apartment, to pay for my food, to pay for clothes, to pay to be able to go on dates, to be able to do all these things. Why? Because I wasn't a scholarship athlete. Don't tell me that these kids got nothing. It's an ignorant comment. Did they get enough of the pie? We can have that argument. That's a very fair argument. But to call it slave labor that some people do is ignorant. It's disrespectful to the very term of it and to what this entails. It's moronic. To call it free labor, again, nonsense. Nonsense. Because it is not free to have a student athlete on campus. Everything about them costs money. It's just that it's worth the investment because we're going to make more. And because we're making more, there should be an aspect that they get some of that in return. I've always agreed with that. Before NIL became a thing, the way it is now, what was the big thing that I had, Ryan? If you're going to sell a kid's jersey in your bookstore, he should get a cut of that. Yeah. I've always felt that. And, and then I kind of evolved it where like those sales should then go into sort of a collective for the players that when they graduate, they get a piece of that pie, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. There's all different ways you can do it. I've never said that they don't deserve more. I completely reject them getting salaries and them being employees because I know what comes with being an employee. And I do not want to put that on college football players, right? And so those are our pushbacks. It's never been about don't pay them. But to Mm -hmm. act as if they get free labor is one of the dumbest arguments I've ever seen people make about why kids deserve more money. It's ignorant. We're not even talking about the same thing now. If you want to talk about here's what the profit margin is for college athletics and these universities, and here's how much the kids are getting from it, and it's not enough, that's a fair conversation to have. We can have that conversation because now we're speaking the same language. We're actually talking about realities. When you say this, you're not even dealing with reality. You're in some fantasy spin Twitter lane that has no basis in fact. None. Your baseline is just useless to even have as a starting point. Because here's what I'll say. If if school said this, we're going to pay every kid $50,000 a year. But great. $100,000 a year. Even better. But we're not giving them scholarships. We're not giving them free gear anymore. They don't get meal plans and they have to pay for their own room and board. How much of the $100,000 are they getting to put in their bank account to keep for whatever they want to do? If you're a Notre Dame student, not much. So don't tell me there's no value in the scholarship. Now, is using that as the excuse to not give them anything else? That's also stupid. And Mm -hmm. that's why we're here. Is because they tried to say, well, it's only, this is enough. This value of the scholarship is enough. No, it's not. Right? But to say there's no value, cool. Then let's give every kid a, a salary, make them all employees, but they got to pay for their own room and board. Ryan, do I pay your rent or do you got to pay your own rent? I pay my own rent. I pay your own rent. Pay your own bills, right? I don't pay your bills, pay right? I mortgage. give you a salary, yeah. and then from that salary, you got to pay for all your stuff, yeah. right? Now, wouldn't it be better for you is if I gave you your salary, but then also paid for your, your mortgage? And is your that, food? Is that an offer? No, it's not. <laughs> wouldn't that be way better? Would be so, way wouldn't better. you rather be a college athlete making, you know, doing what he's doing? Or let's say I paid you a lot less money than you're making now, but I paid for everything. Would there not be a value to that? 
hey Ryan, I'm gonna pay, I'm gonna pay you 20 grand a year. That's not enough. Mm-hmm. No, 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 but you don't understand. I'm paying your mortgage, I'm I'm paying for all your food up to a certain amount, I'm paying all your bills, I'm I'm paying for your insurance, I'm paying for this. Like, that 20, that 20,000 is gonna go a lot further than if I were to pay you three, four times that, mm-hmm. and you had to pay for everything out of pocket, right? So, so it's just a really weak thing to say that it's free. It was never free labor. Right. Not, at, not once scholarships got into the equation, it was never free labor. May not have been mm-hmm. enough. I still think it's ignorant until recently. Schools weren't even pay the full cost of full cost of tuition. That was moronic. That's why. Don't say it, it, it's free labor. It's you're you're just you're just showing me that you really don't have a clue how this whole thing works, and you're just running off with some talking point you heard somebody famous that you listened to make. That's all you're telling me you're doing. Or you're just trying to get score points, you know, I don't know. So you can be, you can be, Oh, I'm the guy that supports the players. No, you don't. Cause you can't support them if you don't know what's really going on. And that's, that's my problem. So rant over. I just, I, that's one of the things I hate more than anything is when people say stuff like this, I can't stand yeah. it. I cannot stand it. I've had I've had this conversation with many people in my lifetime. So right. I get it, man. I get so cool, it. cool. We'll pay them pay them salary, and then they got to pay their own way, their own board, pay for their own gear. Start treating you know what you do? Start treating them like D three kids, and then see how what how they feel about their scholarships, right? right. Ryan, as, you played D three for a hot second, right? I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not the most climbers thing in the world, yeah. right? Nope. Exactly. Nope. It's expensive as heck too. Yes, it is. <laughs> so. It is. Yeah. Anyway, you're hungry all the time too. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> oh yeah. I had bologna sandwiches and carrot cake my entire first semester of college because the oh. food was so bad. My first year of college because the food Car- was so bad. Carrot cake sounds nice. Yeah. Sounds and fun. I didn't have enough money. Yeah. But you know, what's like anything you love, you keep eating it every single freaking day <laughs> as your side to your main course of bologna sandwich. Cause everything else is nasty. Mm. Then you know what, boy, that food stipend that these division one football players starts looking really good right about then. Sure. But you know what happened to me in order to, to eat outside the cat? I had to run up a credit card or I had to mm-hmm. use my, whatever spending I earned that summer working for my dad, eight, nine, 10 hours a day. And then trying to fit workouts in alongside of that. Cause I wasn't on a full ride scholarship. So don't right. tell me there's no value that they're free. I would have gladly, please use me when <laughs> I was in college, the way that you use division one players, please use me that way. Please give me a free ride scholarship and free gear and all these other things. So I don't have to go home and work for my dad every summer. So I can actually just be paid to spend the whole summer going to class and working out for football. Please take advantage of me that way. I beg you. I beg you. And you know who else would say that? Every kid in division three and division two and division one double, it's not on a full ride scholarship. Every mm-hmm. single one. Go call over to the Pioneer League on FCS, yes. man. Don't even get scholarships. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Brian Hockney, if we pull off the Peyton Bowen flip back, will this coaching staff finally get credit with a tremendous recruiting job that I think they deserve? I, I, I like this is probably not the question I should have brought up right after that rant because now I'm pissed <laughs> off. And Brian's asked good questions, but I'm like, can we find f- what? Brian, we've been saying this for months. I said at the beginning of the show, even if they don't get Peyton Bowen, this is still one of the best class they've had in a long time. Yep. So how are we not giving this class, this this staff credit for the job they've done? That's all we've done for like the last year. 
It's it's also not a flip back because he hasn't flipped to Oklahoma. Right. Or Oregon. He's still committed to the University of Notre Dame. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand that, Ryan. Can we finally get credit with a tremendous recruiting job? So may, perhaps Brian is referring to maybe outside, outside. view of the staff, maybe perhaps. Yeah. That might be it. And so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, he's not talking about us. He's talking about maybe the I, perception from I, an outside. And, and, and to Brian's point, like maybe he's also, I mean, because we're on the boards, right? At boards.com. Right. And there's a lot of pessimism yeah. right now, despite it being yeah. a tremendous class still. So, I mean, to that degree. Right. Yeah, Brian. I mean, I hope people can kind of take a step back. And at the end of this thing, say like, right. wow. Notre Dame did that in this NIL era. That's yeah. awesome start. It's ama- even even if they don't get Peyton Bowen. Exactly. Right yeah. here. And here's my thing to what he's saying. If we pull up, even if they don't get Peyton Bowen in the class, Brian, that 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 second part is still true. This staff put together a heck of a class. Now, is it better with Peyton Bowen? Absolutely. For sure. He's my number one ranked player in the class. And I don't know if he's it. yours, Ryan, but he's at least I would imagine in your top two. Is he your number one? He's my yeah, number he one. Be, he would be over Charles Jagasoff for me. Okay. But it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, even but even if you lose him, it's a blow. It's a big blow. But sure. this is still a heck of a recruiting class. And that's what tomorrow's going to be for, man. That's right. I mean, if if he doesn't end up in the class, we'll talk about it obviously. But we're going to celebrate the players that make up a great class for Notre Dame, no doubt. Absolutely. And and we should, so I'm going to give Brian the benefit of the doubt because he he normally asks really good questions and I could just be a little salty right now from the previous questions, and I'm just taking his thing the wrong way. So if I am Brian, apologize. But yes, there are some people not look. And even if the, Brian, here's the thing: even if they get Peyton Bowen, if you're talking about other people, there's some people that are just they're always going to say they're always going to look at what if, but but they should have had Dante more. <laughs> I'm actually personally the way that everything's played out, I'm so happy yes. their name ended up with Kenny Minchie. So happy they ended up with Kenny Mitchie. Very happy. And with Keon, eh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. But losing Keon doesn't define this entire class. Right? It sucks. It sucks. Some people, Ryan, just they're just never happy. And or maybe they're a little overly critical. It's fine. That's who you are. It, you know, it, it's you. I love you anyway. Don't judge. But but there's always gonna be people like that. They're always gonna have well, what yeah, it was a number three class, but it could have been blank if you would have landed blank. I mean, there's always going to be some of that. There, there always is, because even if Notre Dame wins a championship the next couple of years, it's going to be, oh, but can they win two? Can they make it? <laughs> well, that's kind of what happened with Lou Holtz. Well, he's only won right. one title. I mean, you know, maybe it's time to move on and, and move on to so-and-so because he's only won one title. He fell short I, 93 and whatever else. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was I was born in 1991, so I just want one title. Okay, yeah. guys. Like, can we get Remember when Bama won the title in 2012, and by 2014 yeah. they had lost two years in a row, and there were Bama yeah. fans talking like, you know, has, has, uh, has the time passed, you know? <laughs> it's like, bro, you haven't won one in two seasons, you know? It's <sighs> like, it's pretty wild. Or yes. like, and then it was recently we saw this prior to 2020. They hadn't won one since 2017, and they were coming off here. They didn't even make the playoff. The travesty of Alabama, 11 and two, not even making the playoff. Oh my, we were forced to have to play Michigan in a bowl game. Oh my <laughs> gosh, say it, it is. It is time for say. There were people in the Bama fan base. I've seen the posts. I've seen them on Twitter that were saying that after 2019. And then what happened the next year? They went out and won a title. And, you know, so that's always going to be true. That's yeah. always going to be true. 
So, yes, let's get to some more here. Let's knock out a bunch of these questions. Tavis McKay, thank you. Just want to say thank you, IB, for all the recruiting coverage. You are welcome, buddy. You are welcome very, very much. Rob Osgood, guys, based on the other team's classes overall and need structure, how does Notre Dame compare? No points, just team needs. Rob, I'm we're going to have something like that after signing day. Mm-hmm. Once everybody's signed, because right now, like, it depends on who signs where, who flips, who does whatever, who does what else. We will have a ranking show. It, it'll probably be do. We'll probably do it. We may do it here, part of it, but we'll also do part of it on the CFB Nation channel. So I'm actually thinking about having our first live CFB Nation show. We'll, we'll see at some point where maybe we go through the class rankings a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see. But we do plan on doing that, just so you know. Call me Ty says the TCU program success is a little shocking to me. Playing well, recruiting well is just is uh, is it just being a Texas is just is just being in Texas that impactful? Well, to a degree, yeah. I mean, sure. If TCU was in Boise, Idaho, then they wouldn't be as successful as they are right now. Um, I don't think TCU success should be shocking, surprising, sure, because we didn't expect it from them, but. I mean, Ryan, this is a team that should have been in the playoff in 2014. Right. This is a team that, since Brian Kelly was hired at Notre Dame, has had four top ten finishes prior to this season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this – Gary Patterson during his time at TCU, if you look at the coaches poll or the AP poll, had once – so first top ten finish was in 2008. And he had six more top ten finishes during that stretch, and they're going to have another one this year. I still think TCU deserved to be in the college football playoff in 2014. I still do. But, and was it recently they played in the big 12 title game, right? Then they play out, they played, mm-hmm. uh, was it 2017? They played Oklahoma Something like that. in the big 12 yeah. title game. Um, they went 11 and three that year. Two of their losses were at Oklahoma who that was that Baker Mayfield team that, uh, that almost beat mm-hmm. Georgia in the semifinal with overtime. So it's a pretty good football team. So surprising because I just didn't expect it, but I would I, personally just semantically, I wouldn't say shocking uh, recruiting. Well, I mean, that's what winning will do. Right. I mean, yes, but I don't know if they're recruiting to the level where I'm like, wow, they're recruiting like a playoff team should be recruiting. Well, they're, they're getting, they're getting a lot of transfer portal pools right now, which I yeah. think people are talking about a little bit. Sure. I mean, I mean, Brian, I, I don't know if you agree with this, but TCU is one of those teams. I kind of talked about Arizona State yesterday or last week. I forget when I talked about them, but Arizona State is kind of a cool team when they're doing well. You know, like they got nice uniforms. They get kind of a, a different vibe. I think TCU is kind of one of those, man. Like they have, yeah. you know, kind of a different look. Uh, they're in the state of Texas. They're kind of they're a little bit different with how they their perspective is. I think they're kind of, like a 2014 team. I remember that team with Trevon Boykin and all those dudes, right? Like that was a cool team. That was a mm-hmm. they, they had some swagger to them. And I think that this team has a little bit of swagger to them. I think that they have talent, obviously, but I think that TCU is kind of a cool place to play, you know, like it's different. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I think surprised but not shocked is is a good yeah. way to put it there. Surprised but not shocked. But being but their location does help. Right yeah. to his to his question, no in that number one, there's a lot of talent there. There's going to be overlooked kids. They're going to help you, you know, be better. Max Dugan got overlooked by a lot of big time programs. He was from Iowa, yes. Uh, but Notre Dame decided not to take him, which he liked. I mean, Notre Dame was his, one of his early leaders. They passed and went with I think Cade McNamara was who they went with in that class. 
mm. um, which I don't fault them for. Nobody was banging the drum and be like, this is a stupid mistake. You're going to regret right. this because he's going to be in the playoff and a Heisman finalist in four years. No, nobody thought that. And a senior, and a senior bowl, uh, right? Correct. Now, correct. Crazy. Um, but yeah, being in the Dallas Fort, Fort Worth area, which is where TCU's campus is, certainly helps. Not yeah. just the the talent pipeline to to the point here, but also you're in a place that's a lot easier to recruit to than maybe if you were in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. More questions. Tyler uh, Benji says, Brian and Ryan, why haven't more even more coaches been vocal about who is tampering kids? Mac Brown didn't name them. Washington State coach didn't. If coaches aren't respecting the profession, then why hide them? Number one, because you can end up getting yourself in a lot more trouble. Because here's the reality of this. If the NCAA is unwilling to do this or you don't have hard and fact proof mm-hmm. and you go make that kind of claim, what's to stop a school from suing you for would it be would it be libel? I forget which one, which one's libel. Is that the one where it's words, right? There's writing and then there's words. Yeah. Uh, whichever one it is, slander, libel, whatever the case may be, uh, you all of a sudden, it's a lawsuit. I mean, you've got to be real careful making specific accusations unless you have proof that that person did something. You may mm-hmm. think, you know, but and a kid telling me I got offered two million isn't proof. Let me see the text message. Well, I would hope that right. most coaches aren't too aren't stupid enough to text and DM that stuff. Usually it's word of mouth, or I'll say it to someone who says it to someone who says it to somebody else. Sure. Right. Or it's it, during the in-home visit or whatever the, where there is no, you know, cause you're not, you know, mom's not sitting there with a video recorder and, you know, and if she is, you're probably not saying that. So um, you need proof to do it. And then the other reason why is because there's a lot of schools that are also doing it. And I can't speak out against a school taking my player because then another school is going to say, well, hold on a second. (laughs) You're saying this, but weren't you the school that had people calling about my kid? Right? So, like, Nick Saban can only say so. Like, he would be the best to to speak out against this. Mm -hmm. This whole thing is – but then it's like, but, bro, like, you tried to do that this summer – but you lost a lot of your you know ability to make that argument because you're doing this. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I don't like NIL, but yeah, you're but yet you're out there poaching everybody's players. So my sympathy for you, you know, Tyler Harrell had committed to you before I mean, basically as soon as he got in the portal. Jameer Gibbs, before he even got in the portal, everybody knew he's going to Alabama. So what, you think Alabama's going to cry about it? You think Nick Saban's going to cry? About it? Why? Because people would call him. I'm like, bro, you stole like eight of my players last year. What are you talking about? He's benefiting, right? Right. I mean, and and also, I, I think most coaches don't expect NCAA to do anything. Correct. Right? So that's the other reason you're, you're not you're wasting. Yeah, you're just wasting your breath, and then it also puts a target on your back too. If you start to kind of be huffy and puffy, right? Because then coaches are going to be, you know, kind of. Anytime they can get one back at you type of thing and get you, you know, kind of stab you in the back a little bit. Like those are the guys that have targets on their back now too. So I just, I don't think NCAA, I don't think they are going to do anything. And I think most coaches understand that they're not going to do anything. So why am I wasting my breath? Like it's, it's just something where. Right. And I also think that some coaches maybe don't want to put the attention on some players, you know, it's like, Oh, they, this guy tried to poach this player, for instance, it's like now, the attention's all on your student athlete, your kid to answer these questions. And that's unnecessary sometimes too. But I think the overarching one for me is that if you don't trust the NCAA to do anything, are you wasting right. your time? Right. 
and you become like, well, what if, what if I get fired and I need, I need coaches to hire me? Right. Cause I can't right. win right now because everybody's taking my players. So I'm going to be unemployed. So I'm going to have to go back to being a D coordinator, no coordinator, no line coach. And I just put half the country on blast. Good luck. Yeah. Now you're looked as a snitch and that's not going right. to help you. Right. Which I hate that whole yes. thought, but yes, I mean, <laughs> yes. you know, but that's the reality of it, right? It's like reality. That, unfortunately, that's the reality of it. So yep. more questions. Boy, we've got a ton of great questions here. We're probably not going to get to all of them. You guys put in so many great questions. And then, of course, I've had a couple of rants today that have taken a lot of time. So I apologize. Uh, Patrick Tolan, what are the chances of going after Micah Tease with, with uh, likely losing uh, Peyton Bowen? Zero. Correct. Do you want me to say it all right. out loud? Yep. <laughs> no. Look, Mike T's decommitted because he knows where he's going, right? right. Wherever that ends up being. There's and, and he's the an NIL reason, is yeah. Bingo. Notre Dame's not in the game for that. Notre Dame yep. stopped recruiting Mike T's when he picked Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So for for good reason. Which is a shame because I do think that he would have fit well from a personal perspective, but there's other yep. things driving him, obviously. Yeah. So uh, Got this question from Jeremy uh, Bonk. Leary to Kentucky. Card must be the Devin Leary to Kentucky. De- uh, card must be the front runner now, right? And then there was another uh, quarterback portal question down here, Ryan. So I just want to kind of get all of these out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I think that, number one, people need to stop assuming that they know who's out there just because it's been talked about. Uh, the number of people that actually know what's going on with quarterback recruiting right now is very, 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 very small. Uh, here's the other one here from Javier. Javier uh, says, De- Devin Leary to Kentucky, does that mean we are not getting a quarterback? As as everyone on the Irish Breakdown message board knows, we have been saying for weeks that Notre Dame was not going to be a player for Devin Leary. I know that there were reports out there saying that they were, but that was just not true. They were never a player for Devin Leary. Does that mean there weren't some people at Notre Dame that liked Devin Leary? So then they went and told other people that, oh, we're looking – but the reality is the decision makers at Notre Dame that are going to actually have anything to do with that never looked at Devin Leary beyond just doing their initial research that they've done for a lot of quarterbacks, some in the portal and some outside the portal. Because as we talked about, Ryan, you need to be willing to do your homework on kids who may not be in the portal yet, but might eventually be in the portal. So that way, if they do, you're ready to act. Right. Right. So it's just like it's like with anything else. It's like, you know, you're you're doing advanced scouting of other teams, minor league players. Why? Because if we need to pull off a trade, we need to know what value we're getting back from that organization. So you're not mm-hmm. out there doing it to try to poach their players, but to when the time comes, you need to know what they have or what this kid can do. So they're not just evaluating portal kids. They're evaluating other kids who may get in just in case they're ready when the time comes. But Devin Leary never got past that stage of just initial film, reaching out, doing your evaluations. It never went past that. He was never going to be the guy that Notre Dame was going to go to. We've rarely talked about him here. And he's one of the quarterbacks we've talked about the most on our board, Ryan, because we keep telling people he's not the guy. So just chill. Can I say, too, I know there's been a lot of posts on the board about quarterbacks just in general. Look, folks, and, and people keep saying stuff like this, Brian, like, oh, there's not many great options out there. There's going to be more. Just trust me when I tell you. After the bowl games are played, there's going to be other quarterbacks that enter the portal that maybe even some that you just didn't expect to enter. So Notre Dame's doing their due diligence. There, I think there will be resolution. I believe that Notre Dame will get a very talented quarterback in the portal for everything that we're hearing. So just be patient with it, man. It's, it's going to figure itself out, I promise. Yep. Yes. 
patience because otherwise we're going to get into all these rumors and that can be detrimental. You know, let's say you are talking to a kid. Well, hold on a second. You're telling me this, but why does everybody think so-and-so is going to your school? And back to the original question from Jeremy, Hudson Card must be the front runner now, right? Devin Leary was never the front runner. So Hudson Card doesn't all of a sudden move into that spot. I don't think Hudson Card is ultimately the front. He became the hot name for a while. He's a Mm -hmm. kid that I like. But if I had to guess, I think that ultimately, I don't know if that was ever going to be the guy because what Notre Dame was ultimately looking for is a guy that can come in and you know what you have. And that was Mm -hmm. always the one drawback on Hudson Card was, is he really that much more experienced than Tyler Buckner by the time the bowl game's over? But he's got, what, two, three extra starts on him? That's it, right? Is it really that much more experienced? You need a guy that has got a higher floor. Mm-hmm. Right now, I like Card a lot. I think he's got a lot of yeah. upside. I think he's got a lot of potential, but he's also comes with some risk, mm-hmm. you know. And and you know, I don't think he didn't not beat out Quinn Ewers. I think he was always going to lose that job, no matter what he did. Right. But he couldn't beat out Casey Thompson a year ago as a second year player. That's, I mean, why? Maybe it was a coaching mistake. Perhaps it was. Could but be. whatever the reason why, Ryan he doesn't have the experience that Notre Dame was looking for. In my opinion, does that mean Notre Dame won't take them? I'm not saying that either. I'm mm-hmm. saying we, we got to be thinking about what they're looking for and stop reading every article out there. That's trying to be ahead of the game and just throwing out names of players. I've heard like six different quarterbacks. No, no, no. This is the guy I got a call from a buddy that he says, yeah, yeah. All my buddies are calling me, tell me that Notre Dame's going to go after Keaton Slovis. Why? And then he <laughs> went through this weird rabbit hole of what they all, why they all thought it was going to be Keaton Slovis. I was like, you guys need to just chill, right? That's one of the craziest things I've heard of. Like, it'd be one thing if, like, there was a legitimate, like, you know, me or Ryan or Tim Priester or Tim O'Malley or somebody that actually has legitimate connections in any shape, way, form, or fashion was like, hey, I'm hearing from a couple people I know that this might be a guy they're looking at. Then I can understand it. Mm -hmm. It's never been the case. It's just fan speculation that turns into what I heard somewhere. This is my favorite one. I read on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> i read on twitter that notre dame's going after hank bachmeyer right yeah yeah, yeah. sure so um i just just y'all look it's december 20th i imagine the, the portal closes in less than a month mm-hmm. i imagine we'll probably know who it's going to be in the next couple to three weeks let's just chill right and and uh let it play out and there'll come a time and a place when we'll, we'll know who it is. But and the other thing too is, is every kid that's in the portal now is does not equal every kid that's going to be in the portal. Exactly. There will be kids of all positions that will jump in the portal after their bowl games because some kids want to leave, but they also don't want to leave their teammates behind. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. For some yep. kids, they don't have the ability. Drew Pine can't. Have, like, let's just say hypothetically, and I'm going to use a kid that's absurd because it, everybody knows it's not true, so people won't believe it. Let's say hypothetically that Bryce Young decided, I actually want to transfer somewhere else for my senior year, not go to the NFL and be a top five pick, right? I'm going to use an absurd example. But Bryce Young said, hey, um, but I'm going to wait till after the bowl game because I want to see it through. I think it's the right thing to do to finish my teammates. He mm-hmm. can afford to do that because the minute he jumped in the portal, everybody wants him. Yeah. A kid like Drew Pine can't afford to do that. He's going to have a very limited number of spots that he can be taken. And the more kids, you know, there's going to be kids that they're, that he's going to have to jump, get that spot before somebody else jumps in the portal. Mm-hmm. So it's a different scenario for different kids. Every kid's different. It's, it's not, it's not, well, I'm, uh, uh, commending for this kid for seeing the season through that kid sucks. 
It's different right. for every kid. Mm-hmm. So if CJ Stroud decided he wanted to jump in a portal or Bryce Young jump in a portal, they can go wherever the heck they want. Hey, you already took a portal quarterback. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't right. care. I, you know, sorry, kid. I, I didn't know I was going to be able to get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, you know? So that's my point is um, mm-hmm. just every kid's different. So the, and it's not a thing where the portal opened on the fifth and you had X 48 hours to jump in or you can't jump in. I could jump in the day it ends as long as I've jumped in and done whatever I needed to do to get somewhere else by the time it closes. Right. So uh, just make sure that's how it works. Yep. Bill Walsh says, uh, do you see Miami becoming a top 10 team again? When do you think that is good for college football? I love to see Notre Dame beat up on a ranked Miami team. It, it's definitely good for college football. There's no doubt. I mean, anytime the big brands, when we're talking about the Notre Dames, the Michigans, the USC's, the, Texas, the Miamis, like anytime those big brands are really good, I think it helps college football, right? Like we want the landscape to have those blue blood programs, the programs that have been dominated different marks. So yeah, I think Miami being a really good team is definitely good for college football. Will they be able to be a top 10 team again? I think it's possible. I mean, they're going to have talent, right? We look what they're doing on the recruiting trail, obviously bringing in some talented players, and they just got Samson Okanola to, you know, combine with a really good offensive line class, which I think their offensive line class was not very good. I mean, their offensive line group was not very good last year, I think, which was a big hindrance to the team at time. So are they going to recruit high enough under Mario Cristobal to be a really good team? I think it's possible. I'm just more curious on when this roster does get kind of turnover and get more talent in it. Is this the coaches they have to take it to the next level? I'm not sure if they are. I think Crystal Ball is a good coach. Is he a good enough coach to take them to that level consistently? I think that's the question that I have right now. But I certainly think for me, Brian, that they're going to recruit at a high enough rate where they could potentially be that team again. But yeah. you know, not they're not going to be early 2000s Miami because that was just no. utterly insane how much talent they had in that team. But can they be a top 10 team every year? For sure, that's enough talent yeah. to me. I don't even think they can be 80s Miami again. I don't. Right. Um, right. But I do think they can be really good. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I think they could be 90s Florida State. Right? It's But there's there's some things working against them that aren't, you know, not having a, sc- a school on campus. It, you know, there's, there's things working against them in some areas, mm-hmm. but they're like minor working against them. If they're winning, kids are going to be, ah, fine, I'll get on the bus and drive 30 minutes to go play at Miami because this is the U. Right? right? Um you know their fan base isn't great, right? It's it's no. not, but yeah, they can be they can be really good again. When, I mean, if Cristobal keeps recruiting the way he's recruiting right now, and he keeps having these big money donors, here's they're going to have to win. I, I think Sean Davis is right. I think the NIL window as it is right now is going to not last very long. I don't see this lasting this way for very long. I just don't. Mm-hmm. If the system will either collapse or they'll make changes. They need to take advantage. Right now, they have a dude that's willing to pay for players, right? Mm -hmm. As long as the NCAA doesn't retroactively destroy them, which is a risk that some of these schools are running. Because the NCAA, remember, the NCAA threw that that memo to schools and said, we talked about it. We will look, we will, just because if we change rules doesn't mean we won't retroactively or things, we will retroactively go back and and handle some of this business. And schools ignored it because they thought, well, the NCAA doesn't have any teeth. They may not right now, but they might down the road. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But uh, as long as that doesn't happen, they need to maximize their 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 ability to spend money now. Because the only reason Miami's recruiting this way this way right now is NIL. 
but they don't always need NIL. They need NIL now because their program sucks. Mm -hmm. When Miami starts being Miami again, then they won't have to buy as many players the way that they're buying players now. Is that, yep. is, I mean, do you agree with that, Ryan? Like, I do. You'll seem to yeah. buy some, but you can be more like Bama, like Ohio State, like Georgia, where you're, yeah, you got to pay some players, but you're also getting a ton of players just because they want to be at the U. They want to be at Notre Dame. They want to be at Bama as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, because I think that when a team, when a team starts to get back to more prominence, then that's where right. you start that the memories start flowing a little bit more, right? Then Ed Reed comes to mind and Ray Lewis and Warren Sapp and all those dudes, they really started to come to the forefront right now. You still have those guys to kind of lean on, but if they aren't like these, these players that are coming out of high school right now, like they don't remember the U, right? Like they don't remember that mm-hmm. 2003 team or, or 2001 team. I mean, where mm-hmm. it was just like Frank Gore was like a third stringer. Like they don't remember that team, you know, like they remember yeah. Kyle Wright's, you know, like they remember that team. They don't remember that type of team. So yep. remember Stephen Morris, like that's the teams they remember. So the minute that they get back to prominence, though, then the Ed Reed start coming back around and, and people kind of reminisce and Jeremy Shockey and all those dudes. And you're just kind of like, yep, yep. The use back, man. The use yep. back. That's that's where yep. it comes from. Yep, absolutely. Um, Antoine Johnson is on fire today in the chat, right? Have you seen him? I love I it. Not. I love I it. My not. dude is on fire. Well, and partly because he agrees with me and he's he's having some fun. <laughs> but yeah, it's always better that way. Uh, you're, let's you're, see agree, you're agreeing with a Michigan fan. I don't yeah, know how I feel about that. It's all good. It's all good. It's my <laughs> dude right there. Uh, Robert Bishop, Brian, Ryan, and all of you fellow indie diehards, Merry Christmas in case my schedule conflicts and I can't watch uh, like usual. Same to you, Merry Robert. Christmas. Very, yeah. very much. Merry Christmas. Uh, for those uh, of, of uh, in the audience who maybe their religion doesn't allow, doesn't allow, they focus on other things, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it may be. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely a time of season to be reflecting on um, family and loved ones and all that. But I'm a, I'm a Christmas guy. So I'll say Merry Christmas. And you know that there's no disrespect intended. Uh, so happy but, holidays. Uh, exactly. Happy holidays. But Merry, Merry, I'm a, I'm a Christmas guy. So I'm going to say Merry Christmas as am I. All right. Yep. All right. Sean green. Do you agree with Josh Pate that early signing period should be moved to July or August and keep the February signing period? I think rather Josh Pate is agreeing with me. Cause I've been saying this for a very long time. <laughs> uh, yes, it should always be. A, I mean, we also talked about this in a re- this isn't a pushback on Sean because not everybody can listen to every second of every show. So I'm not saying it like this, but you know, we did talk about this the other day, Sean, in that I feel it should be a late summer, like before it should be before they start their senior year, because some of these kids need the opportunity if they want to sign mm-hmm. to say, I don't want this distraction. I don't want schools calling me during this, the year. I don't want schools doing this. I, I don't want to have to worry about this. I don't want to worry about that. I just want to go play my senior year and be a student and do all this knowing that I'm going to, be going to Notre Dame or Texas or wherever else, it makes way more sense to do. I don't understand why there's two signing periods after the season is over. I think that's one of the stupidest things weird. ever. And somebody else pushed back. Um, I think it was John Christopic pushed back saying that the 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 signing period should get be getting gotten rid of entirely. This is it right here. Signing mm-hmm. period should be should only be in February. The early signing period is forcing schools to fire coaches in the middle of the season. John, that's only the early signing period is not forcing them to do that when they have the earning signing period is forcing them to do that. It's the timing, not the rule. If the right. rule was such that it was before their senior seasons, then the early signing period technically comes after the February signing period from a standpoint of firing coaches, right? Cause then you fire a coach at the end of the season in November and you got two whole months to recruit and get everything going before the late signing period. 
The reason they're doing that is because it's a month, less than a month you have to do it at the end of the season. That's why. And if you're in a championship game, it's even faster. So it's the timing of it. If they had an early signing period, Ryan, before the season, I don't think it forces teams to fire their coaches in the middle of the season the way it does. I don't sure. think it does anyway. Yeah. No. I also That's think nice. the the NCAA needs to adapt a, a, a tampering rule for coaching the way that they do for um, the NFL does. You know, where like there's windows when you can interview and hire coaches yes, as well. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. Because that way, yep. I mean, some of this stuff is like, it's just absurd. You know, like there needs to be more to that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So that's a, another good one there. Um, let's see here. Uh, David Lowe, if we miss out on card, who will be the next guy uh, target? I think we addressed that one. Uh, yeah. I don't believe, you know, with, with all that. We'll see how it all plays out. Mm-hmm. Uh Charles Parson, what will it take for Texas to be back? I mean, I, I think they're I think they're taking the steps now. I think Sark's a good coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just comes down to you got to keep more of your talent in state and you got to develop it better. They have all mm-hmm. the resources to be a great program. But you know what? Texas has also never quite been a program for most of its history that achieved to its full success. And I think part of it is, is because there's a lot more in-state school to compete against. And I count Oklahoma as kind of an in-state school. The way that they've recruited for decades, they recruit like an in-state school, if we're being honest about like, what Oklahoma does. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's just about hire the right coaches. So that, I think it's like with anything else, hire the right coaches. Do that. And I, th- and, and I think the boosters also have are – they're a lot like Auburn, Ryan, in that mm-hmm. there's not enough patience to allow coaches to do it the right way at Texas. I, I really believe that to be true as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, look, man, Texas is recruiting at a good pace, right? You got a pretty good recruiting class coming in. The talent's not going to be a, a question. It's, you know, I, I think Sarkeesian has done a good job as a coach in the past, head coach wise. I think he's a tremendous offensive coordinator. I agree with you. I think it comes down to coaching. Is he the guy to take him back? I think that's something that we still need to figure out. But sort of like the Miami conversation we just had, I think Texas is going to have a lot of talent moving forward, and you're in the hotbed. You're, it's just about the coaching at the end of the day, because there's, you're always going to be able to pull talent out of the state of Texas. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Every single year, every yep. single year, like clockwork. And Texas, if they're really rolling, can go outside of Texas to get kids too. They are a national brand. They can go to Ohio. Remember they got Jordan Hicks out of Ohio. Remember that? Uh, they can go to Florida and get kids if they want to. They can go to California and get kids if they want to. Heck, they had a quarterback early in Mac Brown's run before they really got good. You 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 know his brother. You do a show with his brother. Um, they got Chris Sims out of Jersey, right? Yes. Yep. So they can go all over the place and get kids if they want to, if they're mm-hmm. if they're rolling right. So and at the time, Chris Sims was like a top five overall national player. I mean, he's a big time, big time, uh, big time recruit for sure. Mm-hmm. Timeout. Tom asks, uh, with the new NCA president, do you see new transfer portal and NIL rules in the near future? I- I'm gonna, I'm a look when it comes to the NCA. I'm a, I believe it when I see it, type of guy, right? Yeah. I mean, that's to me, Ryan. That's all that needs to be said about the new president. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Talking a good game. Let me see it, exactly. and let me see is let me see you smack somebody in the mouth, <laughs> right? With some with some sanctions and stuff. Like you can talk, you can say, oh, you want to pass a new rule? Okay, cool. Rules passed. There's already rules against this. Enforce mm-hmm. it. Okay, put some teeth to it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's way easier to get a plan before you're in the position to right to say, mm-hmm. oh, I want to listen this change. I want to do this, and then you get in the position, and then that's when people start pushing back on you <laughs> and start saying, you can't yep. do this, you can't do that, and then you have to pivot. And I, 
most of the time you have to decide what you want to do and what you can do, right? There's a big difference, obviously. So I think that you're going to see pretty quickly just how how aggressive that the new NCAA, like if that's his stance, like you're going to have to be one of those authoritative figures that say like, no, this is what's going to happen, right? And right. it's tough to be that guy sometimes, especially in a new position like that. So we'll see. I'm hopeful, but what have you done for me? You know, so. Yep. Ryan, I've been trying to I've been trying to hope that the quarterback rumor didn't truly get out. Oh no. We've been trying to keep this quiet. Notre Dame's trying to keep this quiet, but it's finally been been revealed. Uh-oh. Jason Smith said I heard rumors that coach Tommy Reese was seen having a beer with Chad Powers. Nice. It is finally out. It'll be Chad yes. Powers, that dude that looks a lot like Eli Manning. So very well done. <laughs> very well done, Jason. Needed some humor today. Very yes. very well done, my man. Um, Brandon Plensner says, B. Ryan, 2024 defensive recruiting is what worries me. I actually think offensive recruiting in 24 will be great. Definitely need O'Leary and Washington to step up, and that's what worries me most. You know, it's interesting, Brandon. I, I don't I don't disagree with you from where things are today. Right yeah, right, right. But this is also the argument like eight months ago where everybody was like, man, the offensive class really worries me, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. The defensive class is great. These offensive co- – I'm not sure other than he stand who can really recruit – and now we're looking at it like, dude, I think the offensive class might actually be better than the defensive class. It might be. You know? Yeah. Yep. So, um, I just um, – I mean, I mean yeah. can I say this, Brian? I mean, I think that you're seeing right now – and I, I like that he used Al Washington and Chris O'Leary, for instance, in this conversation because the defensive line and safety boards are kind of – like, I, I don't know if you can pinpoint guys right now that you say – Notre Dame is the leader for Notre Dame's, you know, making headway for that guy, this guy. I think that defensive line wise, you can look at, you know, the Smith twins, TJ Lindsay, trying to maintain conversations with Justin Scott and Elijah rushing, but there are some question marks there, right? I mean, safety position, there are question marks right now. I mean, Peyton Woodyard is making his declaration in 20 days. And I mean, does anybody feel great about where that is right now? I mean, it's just, so what does the safety board look after that? And, I do think there's a lot of questions on the defensive side of the ball, but to your point, there was a lot of questions on the offensive side of the ball in 2023. So let's see how the board is recreated added to what, you know, what this spring and summer bring, because I do think that this staff has the ability to recover because it already recovered less, less recruiting cycle. So, but I, I definitely get where Brandon's coming about. Ryan, I'm going to ask you a question. I know you got to run. Yes. I want to ask you this before we go because there's some things that kind of brought got brought up. In the, and Brandon, again, I, very fair thing to be concerned about right now. But let's mm-hmm. just kind of see what what they do differently this off season, right? Yep. Uh, in some different areas. So, so very very fair thing. Here's mm-hmm. what I'm going to ask you, Ryan. If you yes. were, we're going to have a show coming up after bowl season. Mm-hmm. That's going to be if we were football. If we were named the kings of football. Right, because what can a king do? A king can say, "This is what we're doing," and I don't care if you don't like it or not. Right, a traditional king, not like a king in England now, right? Where they have like you know, it's just for show. No like say. a yeah. true king, I am, I am the king of college football. So yeah. a lot of things I would do differently. Here's one of mine that I'm going to say because we keep getting a lot of early enrollee questions, and you kind of talked about different things. If mm-hmm. you were king of college football, would you mm-hmm. or would you not get rid of early enrollment? I would. Well, can I ask why you would? Personally, because I'm about I I believe I want to allow these young people to be young people. I want to slow down their development as football Mm -hmm. as professional because 
there's a level of professionalism to being a college football player. I okay. want these kids to go to prom, to do all, you know, sure. I want them to experience all that part of life. I, I really do. Yeah. And I would change some other things to allow them to do more in the summer, some things like that. But I would, I would strong, or I would limit it to certain, you have to be over a certain age by the time you graduate. Like I was 19 when I graduated. If you turn 19 by the time, something like that, if you're already 18 or I would maybe have some exceptions, but I just, I get, want to give, at the end of the day, I want to let these kids be kids again. Go to prom, spend your last semester with your play baseball. Like Drake Bowen's going to be an early enrollee, which means he's not playing his last year of baseball. I, I, I want him to be able to play his last year of baseball, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, all mm-hmm. that type of stuff where then kids who do make that decision aren't kind of being then put behind the eight ball because they're making that, or because some can't, some schools don't allow kids to enroll early, meaning high schools to graduate yes. early. Yeah. So not everybody's on the same playing field. And mm-hmm. so that's, that would be my reasons why. So I, I guess I'd never have really thought enough about it. You know, I, I always felt like it's a choice for kids. So, I mean, if you choose to make that jump, you choose to make it. If you don't want to, you don't want to, but I do think that there's inconsistencies with it. I mean, like a, I mean, like Dayla Sal, for instance, that Cooper Flanagan can enroll early. I know for a fact that he would enroll early if he could, right. he's just not allowed, you know? So it's not like, it's like a quality versus equity type of thing, right? right. Like he's not, not the only the, one either, right? Like yes. Armel Mookum yeah. can't either, right? Yeah, he can't. Uh, Brennan Vernon can't. So there's a few guys that are not able to, even if they wanted to, right? So I definitely don't think that there's a quality as far as the ability to do that if you wish, which makes it a little bit puzzle, which makes it a little bit inconsistent. But I, I, I don't really. I guess I've never really pushed far against. You know, if a kid wants to get his degree, you know, if a kid wants to get the college experience started early and they've put in all the work to graduate from high school early and do all that type of stuff, I I think they should be allowed to personally. I think they should. I mean, that's you put in the work, you know what I mean? And but for guys like Sullivan Absher, who could have made that happen, but want to experience everything and want to play sports and go to prom and do all type of stuff. Should be allowed to, yeah. In my opinion, like I'm good. With I don't that. disagree with that. I think it's a yeah. fair case, but mm-hmm. just for me, I sometimes feel like the adults should make decisions that you may not think it's the right thing for you, but we think it's the right thing for you, and make right, those right. things. That's really where I, it comes from. I get that because I get that. there are some advantages to being an early enrollee as a football player. You get a whole semester of academic work without the stress of playing a game. So there, yeah. there would be some give up to this, right? Mm-hmm. That that I think I would want to try to find a way to help them overcome that. Uh, mm-hmm. Getting to graduate in three years and go to the NFL with a degree. There's some benefits to coming as an early enrollee. I just sure. think as young people, the biggest benefit is just letting them be kids again. Uh, I, I would say this. If I was an advisor, I think I would advise her kids to stay as long as they can, yeah. right? Like that's the same thing yeah. in college for the most part. I mean, unless you're a third-year player that's going to go top 10 in the draft or go you yeah. know early in the draft and that's just kind of been your dream, like I yeah. – I, applaud kids for trying to be a kid or be a college student as long as they can right. and take advantage of that. So, right. Yeah. Right. It, the whole, the whole point is Ryan, it's not an easy definite. My way's right. Your way's wrong. Your way's sure. right. My way's wrong. There's mm-hmm. this, these are the conversations that I have fun with because there is some nuance. Look, there's, there's some good to this and then there's some give to this. No doubt. And I think it's fair to ca- come down on both sides, but to your, to your point, you say it's, they have the right to do that. At the end of the day, it is a choice. I just sure. feel it's not always a choice that they are making without any other external things because schools are pressuring to come early. Um, I got to go because otherwise I'm going to fall behind this kid, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it makes it interesting. Right. You got to run, correct, Ryan? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. We'll finish up some of these questions here as we, as we go through here uh, with this one. 
And uh, Tommy Gunn says, Brian, for your next hire, will it be another football guy or, or how close are you to expanding to someone who primarily does another sport? Obviously, Sean and Vince are doing some basketball coverage. It's going to be a long ways, Tommy, before I hire someone full time to cover basketball. I mean, I, I'd be open to like if somebody wanted to cover hockey and just get paid to you know write some stuff about the team and just I'll pay you a little stipend and just to get some hockey cover fine. But basketball just doesn't move the needle. Honestly, it doesn't. Uh, women's basketball does actually, I mean, we get way more traction for women's sports and women's basketball. Than we do men's basketball by a lot. Sean and Cyrus and I were talking about this the other day. Part of the reason that we, we talk about the women's basketball team, there's really three reasons. One, Sean's the voice of women's basketball. He does the play by play. He's at every game. He can speak intelligently about the team that he covers, that he does play by play for. Number one, number two, uh, the women's basketball team is a way better product right now way better product and has been for a long time up until like there's like a two three year stretch uh, at the end of coach McGraw's tenure and the first year coach Ivy and then the you know the COVID and all that where just it had lost some steam but I mean even after the first bad year she went and got Olivia Miles and Sonia Citron who were five-star recruits there was a when when I had Citron and Miles I wrote commit stories for both of them and for like two days those were the most read stories that I had at Irish Breakdown it just there is a very strong contingent of women's basketball fans that will read stuff. And so we get a lot of play. And then I think the, the third reason why is um, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, but uh, I won't say it, but yeah, there there's reasons why that it, women's basketball does better than men's basketball beyond just track record of success uh, and current record of success. But there's some other reasons that I, I won't get into, but I'm not going to pay someone full time to do that right now. We're just not nearly big enough. Uh, whether the next person is going to be a football person, it'll either be a recruiting person. Uh, it won't be a football person, meaning like they only cover football. It'll be a recruiting person or I'm actually contemplating my next hire actually being someone who I hire as like an editor and someone to do some stuff on the back end, edit stories, edit videos, uh, get more con. Cause like right now we do the show and what I would love to do is be able to take this pod this video cut it up into like 10 different like really good segments that are between two to ten minutes long of certain topics take it it was a really good question sparked really good conversation like there was a question at the beginning and i'm trying to remember who asked it but it was just a great question that we talked for like 10 minutes on that one and i thought it was a really good conversation like cut that up put it on the youtube channel and then like have like 15 videos coming out from this i just don't have the time to do that so I think, you know, I think it'd be worth it to have to hire someone on the back end to proofread articles because like I'm not good at proofreading my own articles because I read what I think I wrote, not necessarily always what I wrote. So sometimes I'll miss very clear uh, things that I that I should see. And, and then I have to proof everybody else's articles and all that other kind of stuff. And having someone on the back end would then free me to just do more content. And I think that would be a, a good investment. So that's something I'm considering. It's just going to be hard because I can't pay a lot for it. And then I need someone that's available for certain times of the day to check stuff and do different things. So I don't know if that's going to be doable or not, but that's probably going to be my next hire. I do have an offer out to somebody right now uh, for a recruiting job, but um, we'll see if it pans out or not. And then if it doesn't, then I'm going to, you know, at some point in time in 2023, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking to hire someone new. I don't know if it'll be January 1st like it was this year with Ryan, but at some point in 2023, we'll look to make a new hire uh, to the staff. Robert Bishop said it before, I've said it before, but maybe IB is to blame for it, but I've never been this excited about an incoming class. Well, I mean, I'm sure we're partly to blame for it, and I appreciate that, Robert, but look, it is a really good class. It's a really, really do, good class. 
Um, it, it really is. Jeff Nelson, do you think, do you guys think if it, it will be a few years for Dion to make an on-field turnaround? I think uh, he'll be, I think, I think he'll be shocked this year. Um, you know, for me, it depends on how the portal goes for him. That is a bad roster, man, Jeff. It is a really bad roster. And I don't care if Nick Saban took that program over. Like Nick Saban went seven and six in his first year at Alabama with Al- with an Alabama roster of a roster that two years before had won 10 games. And he went seven and six and lost to Louisiana Monroe his first year. Uh, you know, Brian Kelly inherited, who I, I've got messages with Brian Kelly, but Brian Kelly's a good football coach. Uh, I don't, I think Brian Kelly became something that I don't particularly like, but when he came to the name, he's a really good football coach. And he went eight and five his first two years with a bunch of NFL dudes on his roster. Why? Because you inherit a lot of things you got to turn around. Dion's got to inherit all that stuff, the culture change, all this while also inheriting a roster that is just honestly, if Dion could could make it work, I'd be willing to bet that he would only bring back like 15 guys from the current roster. You know, like something really absurdly low like that and just try to replace them all. Um, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Scotty G says the class will show the nation the right way to do it in the NIL era. Once our kids start landing their NIL deals the right way and others see they can have it all, have it all at Notre Dame. It's a wrap with Mark Stream recruiting Scotty. The only thing I would add two things is number one, you have to have in there somewhere they win because if Notre Dame's doing it all the right way and they're going eight and four every year, it won't work. Coach Freeman's got to win quick to really take it to the next level, then I'm agreeing with you. The second thing is Notre Dame and or the players need to start doing a much better job of advertising the kind of money that they're getting. Now, if they don't want – see, part of this is they may say, look, it's not our business to go announce how much Michael Mayer is making. It's up to Michael Mayer to announce that. It's not our job to say how much Kyle Hamilton is making. However, there's a way they could do it. They could do it generally speaking. They could say, hey, our players earned X amount of millions of dollars this year uh, in the fall semester in, or in this the, this calendar year. Our football players earned X number of millions of dollars through NIL deals the right way and promote that we're doing it the right, the right way. I think there's a lot of merit to that. And then if players are willing to do it, you know, talk to their, their counsel, talk to their parents. And say, hey, look, we'd like to have this campaign, letting people know that you're, you know, kids doing really well. Maybe you don't talk about the dollar amounts, but you talk about all the different things he's doing. All right. So a little bit of news here. Um, I fully expect uh, Notre Dame to to Notre Dame has basically moved on from Jay Lamar. So there won't be any flip back from that one happening. So that is not going to really be an option for him anymore. So that was what uh, that call was about from a good source of mine who's connected to this recruitment. So that is one that Dame is going to move on from. So there you go. So you guys kind of saw some, uh, some breaking news there a little bit. So um, yeah, so Notre Dame is going to, let me turn that off. I can't wait for signing today to be over because I'm going to completely be turning my phone off. Notre Dame has actually moved on. I think the part of this from, from what I had been told the last couple of days, uh, Notre Dame has been has known for a while that there was a chance that Jay Lamar was going to leave the class. If you're on the, if you're on the, the uh, Notre Dame, if on the Irish break, the message board, I said over a month ago 
that of all the kids I was most worried about, it was Lamar. Notre Dame knew that. They had a chance to move on from a running back. So what happened was is they started pushing for other running backs. And so they've had some traction. Obviously, they got a commitment, a silent commitment from Aeneas Williams over a month ago. And uh, they got uh, so so they knew they were going to get that one. But then they started kind of, you know, talking to other backs in the 2024 class. And I think that that's kind of where they've, they've been. There's just some kids they graded out a little higher. They were going to honor Lamar's commitment. They like Jay Lamar as a player. Don't get me wrong. But they, you know, they, they, they battled there. But just I think that they started kind of seeing some things on the other end that they just liked better. So that call right there kind of confirmed uh, that one for me. So. Um, but uh, regarding Peyton Bowen, if anybody wants to know that one, that's not what that call was about. I have an intel thing on on Peyton Bowen on the board, so we'll just have to we'll have to see what that one what that one is all about. So I just wanted to drop that to y'all. Uh, so I, I, it's one of those calls that cer- certain sources call, and you've got to you've kind of got to pick it up. So that's the reality of it. So that's the deal. Because I and I started cu- I felt like weird like covering my mouth and all that, and but I just know how some people are. They're gonna read my lips and try to figure out what I'm, what I was saying. So sorry about that. All right. Somebody else asked, uh, Isles ND, Brian, are you wearing the trucker hat that is sold in the store? I'm thinking about getting one, uh, wanted to make sure I am not, I had this one specially made. So let me just show you something here real quick. The trucker hat. I do not have a trucker hat here with me, but it'll, the logo will look more like this. So you can kind of see the two come side by side. So this one is like puffed. This one is like puffed. It's actually, it's like starting to look like my baseball hat, a little sweat on there. This one is more puffed. It's a little bit of a different logo than what it was before. This one is more flat. So like this one is like, you can feel like it's like a, I don't know if you can see it like that way, but it's like kind of, um, you know, it's, it's embroidered uh, with the, with the puff on it. It's actually something you pay a little extra for, uh, but the new one is not, you see, it's more flat. It's embroidered also, but it's more flat. And obviously it'll look, the whole layout will look different, but Ryan wears the trucker hat. So it'll, the logo look a little bit different. It's a little bit smaller. And uh, so, yeah, it looks a little bit different, but no, this was made locally at a shop. I tried to have this guy make the hat. I wanted to sell it through him. I wanted to do somebody local, but the consistency of it, and it took forever to get him produced. This one took like a month to get this one. He did like 10 different hats, like three of them were wearable. Uh, and like Vince got one, I had one and the third one. I, I think I gave my, to my dad, they were the only three that were like wearable and, uh, of the, of the fitted ones. But, uh, yeah. So the trucker hats look a little bit different. They definitely look a bit, di- look a little bit different. So, but yeah, we do have, I mean, so I've got a lot, like we have this hat in there. This is the, I I'm a flex fit guy. I'm a, I'm a fitted hat guy, as you'll see. So, oh, sorry, I jacked my shoulder up and I try not to use it, but I sometimes forget. But uh, these are the fitted flex fit hats. We have this color. We have the white, which I really like. We have the blue. Uh, sorry. We have this one as well. So I have a lot of these different hats. I'm going to start wearing them in the 2023. This is one. This is actually uh, a snapback hat. So we have this one in there as well. There's also one like this that Sean, I think Sean Davis wears the one that's actually the gold back here uh, as well. So yeah, we have a lot of different types of hats. And I also just put a, um, a bucket hat. An IB bucket hat in there. We have a visor beanie, and I also put a bucket hat in there that I'm going to buy uh, for when we get into the um, into the spring and summer. So when I'm mowing the lawn and stuff, I'll have my bucket hat on. So we have that we have that on there as well. So, yep, there you go. Uh, and also, if you are Tommy, reminded me if you do want to buy stuff in the merch store, if you've signed up for for Irish Breakdown, you can use your promo code offer. But I would I would suggest save that till after Christmas if you are. 
a listener here or on the message boards. You don't have to be a subscriber to get this discount. We have a Christmas discount. All that I ask is if you're on the message board, it's on the board. If you're not on the message board, just email me and I'll give you the Christmas code. It's 25% off your entire purchase of it. It's a, uh, it's a Christmas deal. So 25% off. We've had some orders where I've actually uh, gone in the red for some of those orders. But as I've said before, I don't really do the merch store to make a big profit off of it. I mean, I need to make a profit. I can't lose money off of it, but we don't make a lot on it. I mean, we we maybe make a couple bucks on average per order when we with the discounts and stuff. Uh, so it's meant to be a community building thing more so than a revenue driver. Uh, so just so people understand that. But um, this Christmas deal allows you to get some really good deals on some of this stuff. And if you like something you wanted, but maybe it's a higher price item, then use it for this. And it's off your entire purchase. So just email me, brian at irishbreakdown.com or brian at driscollpublishing.com. Both work. And I'll uh, give you that code. Otherwise, it's on the message board. So, And I'm actually thinking about and tying in a, having designing a, a special IB shirt that goes to gold members only. I'm thinking about that, that Mark Stewart came up the other day. That was a really good idea. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We may have some other things like that going for the merch store here moving forward as well. So good stuff. Here's a good one from Pasquale. Uh, says IB has touted the coach Marcus Freeman culture that's being sold to 23, 24 recruiting classes, recruiting recruits seem to be buying in. How come some, some existing veterans didn't buy in. They seem bought in when uh, Marcus Freeman announced as coach. I think there were some clashing agendas to what Marcus Freeman. So like Marcus Freeman's going to be a different head coach than he was a defensive coordinator. There's going to be some things he did at, as the defensive coordinator that were he was doing because he was following the, the lead of the boss who sets the tone for the program. And there are some changes that he wanted to get made that he brought in that he wanted to, to kind of go on to something else. And some of the kids didn't like that when things aren't going their way. Some kids are going to look at it and say, well, you know, look, this is how Brian Kelly did it. And this is, and then some kids are just kind of came back and just all doing their own thing. So you're never going to have a culture that everybody buys into. That's why you're going to have situations where you know, you're going to have kids transfer out from good programs. You're going to have kids not pan out of good programs. Not everybody always buys in. You just, the higher you're buying, the better it is for you as a program. Uh, and, um, you know, I think those are, those are things that kind of bought into it. But look, in, in order, you can be bought in, but when you start your season off with a couple losses, some of those kids don't react to it well, especially the veterans. Well, I can come back for this or whatever the case may be. And if you already had your doubts about buying in and you already had some questions and then all of a sudden you lose two games, well, see, I told you this wouldn't work. And is that cancer spreads. And eventually he kind of just nixed a lot of it. And uh, that's why you're seeing some kids leave and why some kids won't be brought back or why some kids may go to the NFL is, you know, it's like, look, you're either on board or you got to go. And I think that's something that's important that he has to do, in my opinion. Very important. Uh, CV. CVLE or CVLang08. How does a guy like Justin Flo end up at Arizona? Seems like a massive step down for him in regards to uh, pure exposure. I mean, it's definitely a step down. I, I think a big reason for it, honestly, is I mean, that kid's just, that kid's missed a lot of football. You know, I, I think, I mean, he missed two games this year. He only played one game last year, only played one game the year before that. So this kid's had three years where he's only played, you know, where he he's, He's been healthy. He's not the player he was. He's still a good player from the limited time I saw him, but he was he was beat up. He was beat down, all that kind of stuff during the season, and he's just not that player anymore. So I think Arizona is a 
a great opportunity for them because sometimes exposure is not a good thing because when you're that guy and you've come with that big time reputation and all that, and you go somewhere, they're expecting you to be that guy again, go somewhere like the kid that transferred from USC that went to Ohio state. He made a mistake on Ohio state because he was competing against other really good players and he should have gone somewhere like in Arizona where maybe he could have become a starter and, and sort of re sparked his career. So I think more kids should do things like that to be completely honest with you. And, uh, and and get back to sort of being, hey, look, man, at the end of the day, the exposure doesn't matter. I need to go somewhere I can get my head right, get my game right, get my body right, and have a chance to go prove that I'm an NFL player. And, and I need to sometimes get out of that spotlight a little bit to prove that. Tom Burke said, am I setting myself up for disappointment, hoping that Alton Fisher returned for 2024? I would just encourage you and every other Notre Dame fan to assume that they're going to leave. And that way, if they do come back, you're surprised, pleasantly surprised. I think sometimes with things like that, you should almost kind of in the back of your mind hope that they are gone because if they're gone after next year, it means they were really good, which means the Notre Dame offensive line is going to be really good, which means Notre Dame's football team is going to be really good. So, you know, sometimes there's benefits to, like, why'd Michael Mayer leave after this year? Because he's really good and he had a really good year. If Michael Mayer had a bad year maybe he does come back but is that good for him and is that good for Notre Dame I don't think so I think when you get to the point where Notre Dame's recruiting the way they need to fans are gonna be a lot more okay with kids leaving because you know a the kid did great and he's about to go get paid big time money and about to be a high draft pick and you would should want that for Notre Dame players and then the other part is because you've recruited so well that means so-and-so is going to step in, and then so-and-so else, who I was concerned about maybe being a portal kid, is now going to be in a rotation role, so he's going to be much happier, and you keep it rolling. That's that's the sign of a healthy program when kids are leaving early, getting drafted high. Where you don't want to have is when kids are leaving early because they, they don't listen to the right people and should have come back. But a guy like Michael Mayer, I mean, if, if Blake Fisher and Joe Alt leave next year and Harry Heastan kind of blesses that departure – that means they're going to be really high draft picks. That's a good thing for them. And then that's good for Notre Dame too, because that means they're going to be really good. And with Harry, he stand there, you know that he's going to get the next kids in line ready to be great. And that's what, that's what makes it kind of fun. So, all right. From past, we got one from John Rich here, actually. Uh, get that, John. Sorry, I almost passed over you, buddy. Uh, of all the 23 projected commits, who is most likely, one on offense, one on defense, most likely to force other colleges to plan around? offensively, I'm going to be honest with you, I think offensively, if everybody reaches their full potential, I think the guy on offense that's going to force people to plan around him the most is Jeremiah Love. I think because he's a home run hitter at running back, he's a guy that that is got a lot more physical as a, as a senior this year. He showed that he can be an every down back, and he can do so much in the pass game that it's just like he can hurt you running the ball inside, running the ball on the outside. He's a good pass blocker already. He can line up in the slot. He can line up outside, and he can run down the field. He can go catch the ball over the middle. He can catch the ball in the screen game. He can do a little bit of everything. I think he 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 has a lot of, um, you know, he has a lot of opportunities to hurt you. So I think for offense, it'd be him. For defense, if, if he signs, it's going to be Peyton Bowen. I mean, look, Peyton Bowen's a phenomenal player. He can cover. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He can play over the top. He's a he's a turnover machine. I, you know, at least he's been in high school. He's that guy. If he leaves, I'd probably pick one of the defensive linemen. You know, Bubakar, whoever pans out, Bubakar, Brennan Vernon, like one of those guys. Whoever pans out the most of that group, I'd say probably Bubakar brings the most upside 
of the group. And I'd probably argue that maybe Devin Houston is, is in that conversation as well as a guy that could be that with his unique skill set as well. That'd be my guess. Linebackers, I wouldn't go to any of the linebackers as much as I love them because I just don't think linebackers a position, unless you're like a Jalen Smith that 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 causes people to game plan around as much. You have to be really good to be a linebacker that people game plan around to that degree when everybody around them. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Robert Bishop says, question is Peyton Boeing really that elite of a safety or is it his punt return capabilities that add to that make him elite overall? I'll say this, Robert, this is a great question. If you, if Peyton Bowen said to me, Brian, I don't, I don't want to return punts in, in college. I just don't. I took some bad shots. Uh, I just, I don't want to do it. I just, you know, I, I'm going to go somewhere that's going to guarantee me to never have to return punts. If he said that to me, he has said and said that to me, obviously. It wouldn't change my grade of him at all. Him being a dynamic punt returner is just like icing on the cake. Peyton Bowen ranks as a five-star and as the number one player in this class because of what he does as a safety. It's a very fair question. Whereas like with Dylan Edwards, for example, if you if Dylan Edwards had that same conversation with me, it would kind of impact my view of him a little bit. Because I'm like, dude, I don't know if you bring enough value as just an offensive guy to warrant a, a, a grade of a of, of this, of something high. With Peyton Bowen, if without special teams, he's still a five-star player. Um, and, and so, like, Caleb Smith is an example of a guy that I like as a receiver, but it's his return potential that adds even more value to what he does. Peyton Bowen returning punts adds value, but it he's already kind of graded out as high as you can get in a from a star system. So it doesn't move the needle there if he does or doesn't do it, if that makes sense. I hope I answered your question uh, the right way. Tyler Wenzel says, hot take, Drake Bowen, Brennan Vernon, and Jaden Osbury are all top 50 players. Well, they all were when Notre Dame signed them or got commitments from them. And um, they've since dropped uh, all of them. Not all of them. Uh, Brennan Vernon dropped. Well, he actually dropped out of the top 50. Rivals dropped him from 26 to 60th. And their most ranking, rank, most recent update. I don't think. I think. Um, I think Rival still has Peyton Bowen in the top fifty, but he keeps falling back. So you can anticipate he's going to drop out of the top fifty by the time the next one comes around. For why? Couldn't tell you, but you can expect it. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say they all drop out. I think at least two of them. I would say in the top fifty. I, I think you can make a case for Osbury and Drake Bowen. I have Brendan Vernon more in the top seventy-five to hundred twenty-five range. Is where is kind of more of where I see Brendan Vernon. Uh, he's got a really high ceiling, but I just, I, I, I just, I graded him out more 75 to 125, you know, around there is, is more fair. So like when he drops, it's, it's, it doesn't bother me that he drops out of the top 50. What bothers me is when some people put him out of the top 250 period, that's nonsense. But what bothers me is when you drop them and there's no reason, rhyme or reason to why you drop them. And um, yeah, yeah, that's, I, I don't, I don't love that. Here's an interesting question from Tony Stengel. Will you guys be able to get a large enough staff to put together your own recruiting rankings? I don't want to say much, but I'll just say this. I have a very long-term view. Short-term is very important, but the short-term has to be working towards something, right? Like, So I have short-term goals and objectives and steps, and this is what we need to do. We need to dominate in the moment. But it's all geared towards what do we ultimately want to be? And I had a good buddy that kind of, uh, had had talked to me recently, a year or so ago that about possibly investing in Irish Breakdown. 
And he forced me in the conversations and the negotiations, he forced me to really think more and more and more about the long-term vision. And I had a long-term vision and I thought it was a really good one and a strong one. And I think he agreed, but he challenged me to, to think even bigger and even better and, and to, to even be more outside of who I want to be. Now, we didn't necessarily see eye to eye on what that was going to look like. He wanted to go one way. I want to go a different way. But I, I loved him for it because he forced me to think outside the box. And he's really helped me out in a lot of different ways. But one of the things that, that, I, that I learned that I kind of gathered is, is like, look, there's some ways I want to go with this that I didn't even really think about at first. And so I have a lot of long-term goals, whether it's a year from now, five, 10 years from now, that, that, that will eventually include um, CFB Nation becoming a much bigger thing than it is right now and eventually having recruiting rankings for CFB Nation. So, yeah, that is something that I want to – now, will that happen a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now? I don't know. But that's the goal is for CFB Nation to be – a website and a audio and video platform that covers college football and college football recruiting and has its own analysis and own ranking system. Yes. And, and I will come up with what I want that system to be and then hire people to carry it out. And, and of course I'll be part of it, but you know, you want to hire people that are good enough to say, if I stopped doing this, would this person be good enough to do this job without me? And that's the kind of people I want to hire. So. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Uh, Benjamin Arautzan says, and this is a, a, an interesting question. Is Chancey not being so high on Hannafin a reason why we didn't land him? Does that take the edge off of your recruiting effort? I, I can't say for sure, Benjamin, but I have a feeling it's like this, like, you know, you ever, you ever been in a relationship and it doesn't have to be like a, 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 you know, like a love relationship, but like a business relationship or a partnership where, you know, you're just, man, I don't really want to be in this anymore. It's really hard to still go out there every day and, and give your all in it and it not notice it. Right. And so I, I think if, if it's accurate uh, about, if it's accurate that he didn't like him as much, that I'm sure it came through in some ways. And you know, from some conversations I've had with the, 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 that side, the other side of the recruitment, I, I think it was, it was, it, they did kind of take it that way. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's hard to not, to not do that. Uh, Rob Didoff says, Brian and Ryan, Doc Brown and Marty McFly have given me a DeLorean to change one decision that the Notre Dame football program has done since 1993. What change or decision would you want that to be? Oh man. Um, since 1993, what would you want that to be? So off the top of my head, here's a few that I'm thinking about. I would want them to not rescind Randy Moss's, you know, um, admission. I would still allow him to come to their name for two reasons. Number one, I feel like if you're going to be a religious institution, you need to be able to hold people to a standard. And, and it's okay as a person of faith who lives by that faith to say, I can't accept you acting in a way that I believe to be wrong or sinful. Uh, and you may think it's judgy or whatever, but like, I'm, I have to live by the, the standards of what, you know, my, the, the, my faith stands for, which is, you know, the Bible and things like that. That's just, I'm not preaching. I'm just kind of saying, so, um, that means when you mess up, there needs to be consequences. 
And I think Randy Moss should have faced consequences for uh, what happened in that fight. Now, you know, some of you here is like, oh, maybe he's not a fault, but like, okay, but it did, it went too far in my opinion. However, I think they still should have brought him in, number one, because he's a phenomenal football player and would have been a program-changing player. But number two, as a Catholic institution, you have to be willing to say, hey, look, he can come here and there's going to be certain things he needs to understand. You know, maybe you're a probation. You can't do this. You can't do that. I need you to kind of make some sort of penance because I think the Catholic faith is, is there's a penance aspect of it, right? Like say five Hail Marys or something like that. I'm not Catholic, so I don't know that for a fact, but I, I believe that's part of it, right? To where you give him a chance to sort of rehabilitate himself at a place like Notre Dame. You know, you just kind of boot him and wash your hands of it. I don't think that's the right way to go about it, even if he wasn't as good as he was. So that would be one, because I think it would have spoke volumes about him as a football player, but then also about Notre Dame and some of that, some of that, um, you know, the uh, lack of compassion. I think sometimes Notre Dame has had when it comes to stuff like that with players. I um, not a big fan of some of that, but that would be one. That'd be one. Kirk D.A. Anderson Fitness is a great show. I'm an IB subscriber. Where on the boards can I find the info about how much money Peyton off Peyton Brant Bowen was offered? It's not on the board anymore uh, because it took over the, it was not the most important thing from that update. And people were taking that update and running with it in other places and doing things that they're not allowed to do with it. So I deleted it because the dollar amount was not the important thing. So it is not on the board anymore. But, um, it was substan- it was substantial. He has obviously denied it. I feel good about my contacts, but the point is, is it it doesn't it the, the that was the point. The point was that there was clearly a wavering going on, and that was the point. All right. Uh Keith Wiegand says any info on Caleb Smith's visit. Obviously, he's talking about the kid from Virginia Tech. Um, you know, we're trying not to talk too much on on transfer stuff, but I will say this. Uh, everything I was told the visit went really well. I think Notre Dame put themselves in a position to be a major player for him. And I would expect him to make a decision very soon. Tyler, uh, Benji, Brian and Ryan, I'm pretty sure I know why they won't name coaches because of lawsuits, but why not schools? Because I think you could then infer, well, this person said Alabama was doing this. Clearly he's talking about one of us. You better be able to prove that. It's still the same thing. Somebody earlier said that slander is spoken. So that should help. If that's accurate, that should help me uh, with that. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, that uh, I just think unless you have proof and honestly, that's not the right way to do it. I mean, it shouldn't have to come to that. Like these schools are doing it because they're pissed that the NCAA is not doing anything about it. That's the this disappointing thing. I also don't think it's a surprise that since this new president has come out, he hasn't started yet, I don't believe. His term has started, but he's doing the the media rounds. and He's talking about we're going to do more cracking down on this. Now, all of a sudden, you got all these coaches are just putting you know things on blast, I think, in hopes of saying, hey, maybe he will. Let's keep screaming louder and louder and louder how important this is to get fixed. So uh, I think that's part of it, too. Uh, B-Straw, I am not going to answer this right now because we're creeping up on four hours. But I am going to actually uh, take a screenshot of this question because I think this is a this is a really good off season uh, show idea. Like not just answering a question in a mailbag, but a whole show idea. So very well done there. Uh, gonna gonna make a note of that. I just screenshotted it and have it saved over there in my ideas area. So a good job on that. 
Hilton fan, I disagree with kids getting money because it can't be controlled. They all, they will always find a way to get around. I disagree with kids getting money because it can't be controlled. They will always find a way to get around the rules. Money equals professional. I don't agree with that. Again, it depends, Milton, on 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 how they're getting the money and why and what are the stipulations. If you are being paid to play, then you are a professional, and there will become certain consequences with that. If I'm being paid because I'm a name and my name does come from my my athletic prowess, but it's to hawk a product or something like that, then that's a different animal. It's not tied to the school. It's not tied to other things. It's, It's a different animal. I don't think kids should be punished because they're famous or because they're really good and not be allowed to start their own YouTube channel or start their own clothing line or start their own. Uh, you know, whatever the case may be. And if people want to give that kid money and, and all that as a college athlete, then that's great. If a high school kid wants to do that and start his own YouTube channel and have people give super chats and he does a Friday mailbag where he answers questions and it's legitimate and you want to give him money, then let him do that. I don't have a problem with that. I just don't think it should be a thing where a kid says, hey, I'm going to do this. And this was a, I saw it on Twitter the other day and, and Tim, Tim Priester had a great response to it say, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing and go fund me. And whatever fan base gives me the most money is where I'm going to go to. That's, that's not right, man. If it's, hold on. If it's tied to, well, you only get this deal if you come to so-and-so school. That's not right. I don't believe in that. I don't want that. I think that's where it's like, you're basically a professional. So I think there's a way to do it where kids are getting a cut of the product that they have a role in. I think their role is not nearly as big as they think it is. And we explained this the other day. I don't need to rehash it, but they they deserve a bigger piece of the pie. Uh, I don't think they deserve as much of the pie. But like, for example, EA Sports, that should have always been a thing. You're literally using their their everything. Like, well, we don't use their names. Okay, so in 2009 EA Sports, 2008, you know, college football 2010, you didn't use the name, but the starting quarterback was, boy, it sure looks a lot like Jimmy Clausen in the bio that you put in there. Sure sounds a lot like Jimmy Clausen. This skill set this, that you gave from sure sounds a lot like Jimmy Clausen. Oh, and he's wearing Jimmy Clausen's number. Oh, and your receivers are, you know, a six foot three, you know, kid like Michael Floyd that looks a lot like Michael Floyd and wearing number three. And the other receivers are a kid that looks a lot like Golden Tate wearing number 23. Who are we talking about here, right? It's nonsense. And so they should have always had a cut of that. And the schools were given a cut of that. It's just the schools didn't distribute distribute it to the players. And that I have a problem with. And so they should get a cut of that. Why are the schools benefiting from, you know, only? Well, the schools should get a cut of it too. Because again, it's all, at the end of the day, it's about the golden helmet, not who's in it, right? It, are any of you going to stop watching Notre Dame next year if 30 players left and were replaced by other 30 players? Some of you maybe, but most aren't. Because it's not about them. You may love Drew Pine, but is Drew Pine the reason that you became a Notre Dame fan? No. Is he the reason you're going to not be a Notre Dame fan? Probably doubt it. So it's not about him. And this is just him as an example because he, he he left. You're a Notre Dame fan for other reasons. And that doesn't change because the roster changes. And at least for most people, it isn't. Oh, this is one of my favorite ones. I've been waiting to get down to this one. Thank you for this one, uh, A-Bent, Andy. How hilarious w- will it be when we hear about kids taking pay-for-play upfront bribes but then not signing with that school? I really want these scumbag coaching staff to get burned badly. I I think this is a, it's only a matter of time, honestly, for that. Um, 
I I think it's a thing where uh, I it's about kids knowing their value and worth. He has all you know your value, you know your worth. Hey, know that this isn't legal. And so you know, get start. I want more more kids to start asking for upfront money, getting upfront money. Well, we're not going to do it till after you sign. Mm-mm, I want it now. So and so school is offering me to give it to me now. Get that money and then say I decided at the last minute to sign with somebody else. What are they going to do? It's it's a collective. It's it's something that they're not supposed to offer. You're going to say, hey, we want our money back that we offered you illegally. Nope, I don't think so. I would. I, I mean, look, I, I would have no problem with that. No problem with that. I think it'd be hilarious, and it's what a lot of these people would get. Now, if you uh, take money and agree to do a a spot for a specific product, hey, we're hiring you to be a spokesperson for this product. Here's uh, you know, here's your um, signing bonus. Okay, well, you get to keep that if even if you know something doesn't happen and they decide to go a different direction, they can't take the signing bonus back. If you decide to not honor the contract, they can maybe retrieve that back. You know, that's different because you're getting to an, an actual contractual agreement with an, an entity that's going to pay you this no matter where you go to school. I wish more kids would do stuff like that. Now, maybe it wouldn't be as big of an upfront money, but it would allow you to still get money and get paid without some of the other stuff that goes along with it, in my opinion. I'm going to last couple and then we got to get out of here because I am starting to lose my voice. They get a, a super chat down here from uh, The Real Coconut. So did you see that Jeff Trailer? Uh, tweeted out asking for protocol to report schools who are tampering. Doubt anything comes of it, but it starts with someone saying something publicly. Agree that it has to start that way. But look, coaches have been saying stuff publicly for a while. Coaches have been reporting schools for a while. Uh, there have been plenty of schools reporting people, and nobody—they just not. They're, look, they're just not doing anything about it. That's the thing that sucks. The NCAA. I mean, this guys, this stuff is so out in the open. Like when Jaden Rashada and Nico announced their deals and, and that came out and that some of them, you know, Rashada came back and said, oh, I'm not being offered that much, blah, 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 blah. But you knew he was getting offered something. It, it was it, it was not even a, it wasn't even a secret. It's just out there. They could have easily investigated that and figured out that something was wrong, but they just chose not to. Now, I think they're just waiting back, letting it all crash, and then they'll come in and clean it all up is what I think they're trying to do. Now, will they be able to do that? I don't know. I think they think it's the plan, but I don't know if they're competent enough to do it. And so I just, um, but I, I think they're purposely not doing it about it, which I think is wrong. I think that's cowardly, but I think that's why they're doing it. But thank you for the super chat, Real Coconut. I appreciate that very, very much. Just a couple more quick things real quick. Uh, Christopher Galloway, Brian, will there be an IB Nation tailgate at the bowl game? There will not be. But what I was going to put on the boards, Christopher, is kind of throwing out the idea of maybe doing a get-together. We did this in uh, last year in Phoenix, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I met John A1 there for the first time, had some folks coming in from Montana that I had a chance to meet. Um, a lot of folks, we got a chance to meet a lot of people that were on the board. So I don't have time to plan that, but if a lot of y'all are going to be down there and you guys want to kind of reach out to me and say, hey, you know, let's get some people together to plan this. I'm all for that. But that would be more of like, you know, the 28th, the 29th, the night, one of those nights meeting for dinner and just hanging out and having some fun. That would be a, a little bit more doable than the the tailgate. The tailgate, tailgate for me are just, I, I love to do them to meet people, but I, I on game day, I kind of like to be locked in on the game, especially when it's an earlier game. Like I like tailgating when it's a night game because you actually have time to relax and do stuff. But I'm going to be kind of focused on the game at that time. Um, but if you guys are tailgating, 
and you DM me and let me know if I get there early enough, I'll, I'll swing by, but uh, just for a minute, but I would, I would like to kind of do like a get together at a restaurant or something like that a night or two before, if some of y'all are, are interested in that. So trucker Joe said, I still remember Colin Coward talking about how the playoff will keep Bama from dominating like they did during the BCS era. Um, I'm not sure what your take is to that trucker, Joe. I didn't see a response. Like if you agree with them that that has happened or not, but I don't think that has panned out. I think if anything, I think Bama has at least one more title that they would not have had uh, if it wasn't for the, the playoff, because in 2017, Alabama should have been in the playoff. They won a title despite the fact they didn't even win the SEC. They didn't even play in the SEC title game. That wouldn't have happened in 2017. 12 when the BCS era. So I, uh, I don't know. I think it kind of, is kind of a wash. Cause you could maybe point to a year where, yeah, but this year they wouldn't like, so like, to me, it's like, um, like what year would they not have gotten in? Right. Like here's uh, 2014. Who were the two number one? T- you'd probably would have had what it would have been, uh, Alabama and Oregon and playing the championship game in 2014. I believe. Let me let me just look that up real quick. Uh, I want to see who what the what the seedings were. I always forget this one. Uh, the seeding for the 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 year for the 2014 season because uh, Ohio State was the four seed, right? And they played Bama was the one. Yeah, so Bama would have played Oregon in the opener. I think Bama probably beats that Oregon team. I think, and so Bama would have won a title 2014. Uh, they never would have got a chance to play Ohio State. Ohio State beat them, right? So that's the counter um to like to my argument so that that's the evidence that you a guy like colin cowher could point to like hey they wouldn't have gotten a playoff house if they'd have played oregon probably beat them that's that's the evidence to back up that point i just think there's been other opportunities where maybe even more where i don't know if they would have gotten in if or had a chance to play 17 is a perfect example so i think at, at worst it's a it's a wash I think Alabama's fading more because this over time every dynasty dies, at least or at least goes away for a little while. Last question. Here's here's a good one. Uh, Coach Vic Seven says, "Is there anything to the theory that Texas players have a higher floor and a lower ceiling because of the level of coaching they get in high school?" I think this is a really uh, in- interesting and fascinating conversation to have because I think there is something to that, and and um, I think that. Uh, I think part of it is coach is that number one, it's not just the coaching that's part of it, but like the co- the part of the coaching is these kids show up like ready to play. They're, they're well-schooled. So maybe, maybe they're, they're producing and playing at a level in high school. That's beyond their, their upside as a physical player. Right. But they come in, they're ready to play a lot of times. They're physically ready to play. They're mentally ready to play. Uh, they've been coached from real coaches who make good money because if you're, if you're a coach and you, let's say you're a coach in Ohio, and you want to move south and you're trying to decide whether you want to go down to Florida and live and coach football or go down to Texas and live and coach football, there's a lot more options for you to make six figures as a high school football coach down in Texas than there are in Florida. Uh, and it's much better school systems and all types of things, and neither of them have state income taxes, right? So that's that's a wash. So I, I just there's just more opportunities there because it's just there's more investment in the programs, they schools pay better, all that kind of stuff. Just a much deeper thing. But that means these kids, like you said, and a lot of the schools in Texas that are really good are public schools where a a lot of the top schools in Florida, not all of them, like Miami has some really good schools, but like, you know, say Aquinas, it's a private school. IMGs, I don't even know what they are. I don't even know what I would call them. 
Uh, Berkeley Prep's a private school. So it's, it's a little bit more of a, blit, a mix where in, in, high, in Texas, it's, it's a public schools. Now, I don't know what the open enrollment rules are or anything like that, but a lot of these kids kind of grow up playing together. So there's all those aspects that go into it, where in Florida is a lot like Virginia, like growing up in Virginia. You know, when I was at Kempsville for two years, like the kids at Kempsville are made up of like three different middle schools. So like you could be on, you could be like Tallwood Middle School and you, you have your teammates and then like a third of your team goes in, to Kempsville because of the school district for high school. And then the other third goes to, to Tallwood and then the other third goes to Green Run, right? Even though you went to the same middle school. And and so it, it was like where I grew up in Ohio at Bath, like it's Bath Middle School, Bath Bath Elementary, Bath Middle, Bath High School. So you kind of grow up playing together. Well, I believe that's the case in a lot of places in Texas, not all, but a lot of places in Texas where you kind of grow up part of the same league. I think all those things factor in. I also think there's much better strength conditioning programs in a lot of these Texas schools too. So I think that kind of plays into the the conversation as well as to why you start seeing more of these Texas kids. They show up more physically advanced. Well, when a kid is more physically advanced, there's a lot less room for him to grow, coach. And I think that's a factor of it too. So I do think that's an issue. And I, and I think that's one of the things that, that burned Mac Brown late in his career. And, and uh, it's one of those things where he was taking kids so early because they were so advanced but then they weren't kind of growing and developing. So by the time they were sophomores, other kids from other states were passing. That's why Virginia produces so many sleepers because there's like, there's not spring ball. It's not, you know, great school systems, just really talented kids that maybe don't get the exposure or develop later because there's no spring ball and things like that. And then all of a sudden, by the time they're juniors in college, they've surpassed the kids from Texas in some instances. So I think there's something to that, which means you got to be really careful when you're recruiting that, that you understand that. And that you're recruiting that kid knowing that, right? So there's different types. Like Caleb Smith and Braylon James, to me, are guys with, with not maybe not as high floors, but much higher ceilings. Peyton Bone is a much higher ceiling kid. Where Jaden Greathouse is more of a, a, a really high floor. Maybe not the ceiling, but a really high floor. He's that traditional Texas kid. Braylon James is not. Braylon James is more of that toolsy kid that has a lot of room to still grow and improve. So you got to be careful because it's not a one-size-fits-all. But I do think that's more of a danger in Texas than it is in Florida. It's a great observation coach. And I think that's a great way to end today's show. So we are going to get out of here on that, that, that question from, from coach. I really appreciate that. So many great questions today. We, this is the first four hour show we've had in a long time. And I probably should have done this because we're going to have a very long show tomorrow and I may not have a voice, uh, but we're going to get started tomorrow at 10 AM. Got another show coming up tonight in 47 minutes. The Ivy nation sports talk show is tonight. Uh, they'll have something for you tomorrow. Uh, we're gonna have we're gonna start at um, uh, 10 a.m. We're gonna get started. We're gonna go all day. Tons of interviews. We're gonna have a lot of different guests. We're gonna go from 10 to 3 minimum. We go may go beyond six o'clock. We'll have Ivy Nation Sports Talk, and then 7:30 I'll be going on with Sean and Malik on the Lucky Lefty podcast to wrap everything up. And of course, if there's any new intel, any stuff that comes out. We will share it with you on the Irish Breakdown message boards, which you can find at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Hit that like button, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Uh, if you want to buy stuff from our merch store, and hit me up if you're not on the board. You can look for it on the board. We have a Christmas code. If not, you can email me. I saw that I got an email during the show about that. Uh, I'll send you it. It's 25% off your entire purchase. If For the message board, it's $4.99 a month or $49.99 for a year. Uh, if you're thinking about 
jumping up to a gold club, I would say hold off on that for just a, a minute. I want to I want to get with uh, a couple people about possibly doing something special for gold club people. Gold club people uh, to kind of just be a little uh, a thank you for people that join the gold club here moving forward. So anyway, uh, for Ryan and the rest of the IB crew, can't wait for tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will talk to you again on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>